Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Critical Twits Gaming Podcast, where we continue with our roundup of what we found at the UK Games Expo. Sing the theme tune, Colin. Then I never know the next bit after that, even though it just repeats. We have loaded up on energy drinks to try and help us recover from the UK Games Expo. Oh, God. Yes. Um, and we're going to tell you all about everything else that we found that we didn't cover last episode. So we're going to round up several things. We're going to talk about some miniatures games. Yeah. We're going to talk about a miniatures game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, In fact, we've got quite a nice podcast because we're going to be talking about uh, the miniatures game Guild Ball. Yeah. The card game Escape the Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, the role-playing game Sleeper, yes. The board game The Networks, and two accessories for tabletop gaming. So we're kind of covering a bit of everything today, and we've got interviews uh, for all of those. Yeah, which sure. is good. Look yeah. at us being well-rounded. People. Should have said what the accessories <laughs> were. That would have been even better. Uh, Sirenscape and Geekinson Furniture. See, we, oh, uh, excellent. We get the, the exciting thing of you explaining these things to me again because these are, I think, I think all things I missed due to tournamenting at yes. the expo. So, but do not fear because next episode we're going to interrogate Joe thoroughly on his Dice Masters tournament experience. Yes, and we're going to get some of the other participants to have a chat with us or yeah. just with you, depending on how we do it. Uh, but we'll get some uh, interviews with them as well. Yeah, it should be uh, two or three interviews going on, including the. Uh, the champion, Ben, um, on his experience. And how Joe I... didn't win! Spoilers. No, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, pro tip, though, don't change your team at 2am and think to do you'll do well just because you've gotten bored. Um, yeah. It's really not a good idea. Was, yeah. was that also because you listened to me almost for advice at one stage at 2am when I was drawing and not paying any attention? And me, just before he came down to see, he went, this would be alright, wouldn't it? And I went... Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. I did think Don't it was going to be okay, to be fair. It was. I played like an idiot. That's what went wrong. Oh, okay. There was he... nothing wrong with the team. The team was fine. We did our job, Colin. Yeah. I was, otherwise, I was going to say critical twit, top tip. Don't listen to the critical twits. What? <laughs> critical <laughs> twits, top tip. Don't listen to the critical twits. That's about the fifth one of those. That was going to be a weekly thing. Oh. You guys suck. Um, yeah, <laughs> but we'll save all that for next time. Uh, we haven't even introduced ourselves yet because we are the paragon of hyperactive sleepiness. Yay! Uh, I'm Brian Ennis. I'm Aaron Vinsky. I'm Colin Howard. And I'm friend of podcast Joe Lewin. Yes. Um, again, for like your seventh appearance. Yes. Um, I've probably I've, done I've, more appearances than I have at this point. <laughs> if people would like to start signing a petition to have upgraded to a full-time member, um, there won't be one on the internet. You'll have to make one. Yes. If you also would like to put in a petition so we never voice him again, <laughs> that will also be fine. That Rival is. petitions united by fate. <laughs> That won't happen. They and that me. will start. Cause <laughs> oh, I'm, sorry. Oh, hang on. Going on the Twitter feed. Good soul reference. <laughs> yeah. Yes. See? Um, Points. I understand. Yes, good. Um, I was also making... Do you remember the beat-em-up game on the PlayStation called Rival Schools United? By yes. Oh, yeah. PlayStation 2, I think. Yeah, but he's I bought that the exact same time I bought Silent Hill 2. Oh. And thus never played it. So too busy <laughs> playing Silent Hill 2. Oh. Excellent. So, yeah, um, where do we want to start? Colin, you haven't actually given us your overall impressions of the Gaming Expo, so just, I to, did not. just a couple of minutes on that. Yes, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, actually. The 
You sound surprised. <laughs> yes. Because well, last year I hated it. Well, normally I do, and in, in some people who may have listened regularly will know that I'm not a big fan of most things. <laughs> <laughs> board games, oh, card board games. games. Yeah, yeah, all of it. In fact, yes, it's, it's, it is quite bad. But I, I really enjoyed myself. The games were fun. Interviews were fun, as you'll hear later on. Yeah. I don't say much because I'm terrible at interviews and I'd probably just start talking about the jam or something. <laughs> not the jam. You can't cut that out. Yay! <laughs> Watch him. Overall, it's a very w- rewarding and fun weekend and I would recommend anyone to go to it. Oh, fantastic. Not not this year because it's done and you've missed it. Well, I mean, you can still go to the NEC. I mean, no, there'd be nothing no, there, no. apart from babies with flies littered around the floor. But if you're into that... <laughs> flyers, knitted flyers. Yeah. I like a good flyer well, as mean, much as the next person. I'm sure on our way back to the car, we found a treasure trail of business <laughs> cards and flyers on the way back to the car park. I should have a way over time. Yeah, I we've got loads that. of contacts now because I picked things up <laughs> from the floor. <laughs> it's Why not? Up. How the internet works, Colin. I can actually take mine from uh, just, next well, year. Yeah, just as long as you've got the details, just claim you talk. No one remembers because everyone's so busy. Yeah, I'm t- oh. tired. And yeah, so when you've murdered rival podcasts and stolen all of their uh, contact information, yeah. you do well. I'm really upset that I missed you scaring rival podcast. Oh, what the Rolling Dice Show. Yeah, yeah. hi, Rolling Dice Show. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Drunk man wailing at the table. Is this game really good? Because it looks shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we should get that game and play it. Yeah, I think yeah. we should get Power Grid. It looks really fun and they recommended it highly. Awesome. Excellent. So, Colin, buy a board game. <laughs> I don't buy things, I just occasionally participate. <laughs> Excellent. So first up, we have got our interview with the team behind the smash hit game, miniatures game, tabletop game, killy death, mob football game, Guild Ball. Yay! So uh, here interviewing about the uh, uh, Guild Ball um, with uh, two of the guys, uh, lead designers from Gu- uh, Steamforged. Um, would you just like to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what uh, Guild Ball is? Sure. I'm Rich Logsdon. Is that it? I'm Matt Hart. <laughs> 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 I, you were I never know the intro. I'm going to say both, or do you say one? Or... I don't know. I don't know. There you go. It's totally up to you. It's, it's us. us. Yeah. He said tell us about Guild Ball, you went, I'm Rich Logsdon. He said introduce yourself and then tell oh, us about that. There you go. <laughs> listen. <laughs> We're incredibly professional. Yeah, super professional. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, always. Just, <laughs> this is a constant re-editing process. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good win. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Gilbot. Yes. So so Rich and I are the um, uh, co-founders of Steamforge Games. We work together to, to create Gilbot. Um, Gilbot is a medieval soccer game, football game. Yeah. Uh, pitches uh, small teams of, of players against each other. And it's set in a world where the game of football, or, or as it was then, mob football, peasant football, has been subverted by like the mercantile guilds. So the guilds now sponsor professional teams, which means they give them all their equipment and everything, and in return they, they kind of get publicity from them. So the butchers' guild, in return for all their gold, the, the butchers' team have to wear like butchers' aprons and carry meat cleavers yeah. and cooks and everything. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of... Um, kudos to be gained by the guilds that, that are most successful in, in the game of Guild Ball um, and in order for them to achieve that behind the scenes there's a lot of stabbing each other in the back and there's a lot of background politics and everything like that. Cool. Uh, what brought about uh, the inspiration for the, the game and the systems particularly? So 
Rich and I were at a, um, uh, we're actually at a weekend tournament event in, in Cardiff in Wales and um, yeah, there was a, a couple of games, I think it was uh, War Machine, it was like a, like a fantasy miniatures game yep. going on and at the time we were playing a lot of uh, Blood Bowl on, the, on Steam Yeah. and um, kind of just sort of like idly thinking away and I turned around to Rich and said, do you know what, I could write a rule system where I can use my Blood Bowl miniatures on a, on a tabletop, you know, like a War Machine tabletop. And Rich is like, yeah, I can definitely see that. And then we have this um, quite confusing creative process <laughs> where it's very difficult to work out where an idea gets on and gets off. But it goes into the roundabout, goes around and around and around, and then when it comes out, it's it's a nicely fully formed idea. And the more we talked about Guildborn, the more we talked about how we could wrap the world and how we could wrap the whole system, um, it, it just grew and grew. And then we we got to a point where we realized we actually had something pretty significant because it was one of those things that you just tell people and in 20 seconds they get it yeah and, and, and you know when an idea is powerful is when you when someone gets it in 20 seconds and then you can see behind their eyes they're now going oh it could have a candle makers guild or it could be a blacksmith guild and that could be like that and this and, yeah. and now you know that the world is now kind of embedded in their head and, yeah. and it means that there's a there's a real reality to, to there's a real verisimilitude to the to the world when you can do that in such such a small, yeah. small space of time i do find myself having a lot of commitment to the brewers guild that i've got now or something. right <laughs> yeah there you go because of that yeah and we, we fed into that as well that um you know rather than uh take blood bowl for example or or, or dread bowl or whatever um rather than kind of faceless like linemen blitzers so on and so forth i remember when i played uh, blood bowl when i was like 17 18 so like way back when yeah um and you, you know, you got Griff Oberwald come in, and like you had him play for your team, and like, and the fact that he was a name, the fact that he had a bit of story to him, made him so much cooler than just my generic human blockers and linemen. <laughs> yeah. So we knew that we wanted to kind of capture that feeling. So why not make everyone their own character and their own personality and their own, you know, story and and how they fit into the world? And and you do. The more we talk about people who play Guild Ball the more they, they love the fluff and they love the background to the world. And these yeah. are people, I've lost count in the number of people who've come up to me and said, I don't normally read the background, I don't normally read the fluff, but man, I love this. Yeah. Like, and it, and it, it just hooks you in and in. And I don't know, I'm, I'm you know, incredibly proud of the, of the world that we've created and, and, the, and the stories that we're able to tell now are just, you know, we've, we've laid the foundations for a really cool world, lots and lots of stories that are like, bubbling away that we want to release now. We were talking at of maybe looking at doing some role play in it because there's yeah. so much depth to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've a lot of requests for that kind of thing as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. I was going to say, it's obviously brought about the uh, campaign system, the inspiration for the campaign system into season two. Yeah. So you had the schemes and forth, like exactly the background right. stuff yeah. that's going yeah. on. Things. Um, what should people expect with that as they are uh, playing? So the campaign system is our way. Season one was all about getting the, the core game in place, getting people experience the Guild Ball building the world up of Guildhall. Uh, and the, the campaign system is now actually to, you know what, it's about that weekly game. You know, you go down to the club, how you play the game, how can we introduce that experience, but do it in a way that isn't tracking paperwork and bringing the same sheet you've you know, scribbled out and change the stats, things like that. Yeah. We want a real, we want it to still be Guildhall, but we wanted that progression, we wanted that feel of like deals and, and bring it in with the favor system we've got in there. Yeah. And I think we've created a really nice system that can be picked up by anyone who knows how to play Guildhall and still has that progression feel and that whole kind of bluff and counter bluff mechanics and helping each other out and 
and screwing your mate over. It's all in there, and it, you know I think it's it's created a, a beautiful system that people now we've got the campaign out you know, on the verge of release, and it's going to start to really explode in the local communities. Yeah, the key to the campaign is this, like, and this comes back from um, lessons learned like from role playing, and, and I used to you know run an awful lot of games when I had more time. Yeah, um, and you know when you've got a good campaign going when people are talking about it in email between the game sessions. So, and I've managed in my lifetime to run sort of three or four campaigns like that that I'm incredibly proud of, and we still talk stories about those about those kind of games. Yeah. And, you know, one of them lasted for a couple of years, another one so only, only lasted for like three or four months. But if you can get that kind of in-between game thinking about the game, yeah. then then you've kind of got that thing that leads you on to the next game and the next game and the next game, and you breadcrumb people through. Yeah. So rather than a traditional campaign system that you might have seen for other games where you know, sometimes after everyone's excited and you've got your brand new sheet of paper and you've written out all your lists and everything and then after the game one and your team's been smashed to bits and you've got no chance of winning, you're like, kind of less interested in it now. And slowly but surely, like, people just move away from the campaign. Well, yeah. if you can flip that so people still have something to play for, they still have an involvement in it, they can still win in a way, but they just need to lane swap and, more, and need to be more sneaky and do deals outside of the games yeah. and, and work with each other. Well, now they're interacting with the game all throughout the week. And then on Thursday, when you get down to your club night and you play the game, you know what you want to achieve. You play it, you see what the results are, and then you, you carry on. So, so you've awesome. got some deals between the players. And exactly so, right. Because we've been playing the, the Malifaux Shifting Loyalties campaign. And although that's quite fun, there's no interaction between the players. And yeah, the interaction that makes anything Absolutely. sing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we when we did the first playtest session, it was literally well, the alpha playtest sessions, and we had you know serious tournament players doing the a campaign, you know, testing. Um, I mean, a, a little mix as well. Through some people that never played Guild Ball in there as well, had a complete mix, and and the feedback resoundingly was like you could have that feeling that people were really engaging from game to game in the day that we're doing it and like doing the deals behind the scenes and and it just created this real cohesion between it and, and it felt like you were playing two games it was like the game actually the pitch but the, the, the game between like Matt saying you know between the rounds working out how it's better to screw over you know Billy at the top yeah you know compared to <laughs> and, and help out Johnny at the bottom with his strategy to come the master of shadows and do all the dodgy deals so well the thing is like you know the way it's set up is let's say we're in a campaign and Rich is out in front and I'm like nearly with him yeah but I'm, I'm not playing it, so I can't directly interact with him, but I can in this, because I can go to his next week's opponent and go, well, here's some stuff to make it easier for you to beat Rich. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just remember that, because I'm looking after you, even though it's working to my purposes. So now yeah. Rich turns up going, I'm going to smash this guy, and this guy goes, well, actually, you know, I have all this stuff, and now he's like in for a much harder game. Oh, I really and then he's like, how, how did you get all this stuff? And then, well, Matt gave it to me. Oh, you bugger, you're like, you know, so now, now he's kind of got it in for me, knowing that I'm trying to stitch him up to leapfrog in that week. So yeah. now you're, you're trying to do deals all over the place to further your own ends, to, to earn favours from people in advance. So further down the track, you can call that favour in when you need to. There's yeah. so many different layers to, to the macro game that the micro game, the actual game of Guild Wars itself, is, is still as fun as, as it is you know, just playing a casual game. Yeah. Because it's not largely affected by the machinations of what people are doing, but it's more that human interaction at, at that macro level that makes the game really, really fun. It's almost a mini role play combined with it a board game. Yeah, you know, yeah. You've got the right. We'll argue and backstab one another. <laughs> oh, now we'll play a game for right. forty minutes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we've done all the backstabbing. Oh, okay, we'll play the game. Yeah. <laughs> that, that actually sounds fun. Actually. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What's the community response been like? Because you've got quite a young community. It's interesting because I think, like Richard was saying. We, 
we've only just released the campaign deck, yeah. and um, the game, the, the campaign system does require a, a lot of cards. Like all Guild Wars products, it is available to download for free, and you can print them off. But yeah. downloading and printing off 150 odd cards is is a bit more of a ball load than just printing off 10 cards. So yeah. so we understand why people haven't necessarily picked it up so much. But the people that I know who have played it have loved it. Um, it's it's just they just started a game down at my local pub. Um, which, which is in week two now. So they've got the cards and they're, they're off and running. And yeah. and yeah, already people are starting to stitch each other up. It's only week two, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. It's been really good. Awesome. Um, uh, probably our final question, actually. Yeah, I, I've got what's, what's your favorite part of the game for each of you? Do you, are you? Is one of you like really sort of hardcore competitive and someone like the background? <laughs> I, my, I'm going to let Rich answer this and then I'm going to so give you the true answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely enjoy the, the competitive nature. So yeah. it's all, for me, it's all about playing the game, the rules. However, recently, I've been doing terrible in my tournament form. I'm jumping in now because I know he's going to come back now. So, but yeah, like I need to get some more experience on tabletop. And that, that is my genuine passion. Is I love to see interactions between players, combinations you can create, list building and, and choices. So that, that's my passion. What's, what's interesting to talk about my passion is Rich is an exceptionally good gamer yeah. and but one of the reasons why I'm enjoying him struggling <laughs> at the moment is it, it proves that Guild Wars is a, is a game of player skill not a game of learned repetition yes. yeah. and because Rich isn't playing competitively week in week out it's the play test you can't that, just yeah. go in and steamroll a, a game up to the top table and win it just yeah. because you're good at gaming you're good yeah. at gaming you exactly. actually need to be good at this game as well as being good at gaming yeah. and, and so as much as I like to poke fun <laughs> at him it's actually a really good reflection of, of the balance that we, we, we pitch for and achieve with Guild Wars which you've is that the time. you've got to put the time in the more time it's a rewarding game you can play it casually you know, so I'm a super casual gamer um, I like to tell people that so then when I suffer <laughs> Um, I like the big cinematic moments. I like the big stories that you can tell. I'll go for the YOLO Hail Mary every single time. <laughs> yeah. Because when you pull it off that one time in ten, you've got an awesome story to tell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when you don't, you can kind of moan about the dice and all the other stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so it's not fine. But, um, but no, I, I love the fact that I can play Guild Ball casually and have an awesome amount of fun. I also love the fact that if I had enough time, I could really deep dive into it, really get competitive about it and then really challenge on those top tables because it is that kind of game that, that rewards the investment you put into it. It's only six models, I don't know how we do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Now, I remember this being a slightly contentious point when we saw you last year. Um, we were trying to decide on teams. Which team is your favourite? Because I know you've got different reasons. Yeah. So yeah, Fishermen are still my favourite team. Yeah. Um, Matt's tried to abuse and ruin them over the course of the last <laughs> six months, but I'm still staying strong. I am playing a little, I've got a, a sneaky butcher list um, I kind of, I like the look of, so I might be rocking that out towards the end of the year. Yeah. And I've got a surprise at SteamCon that I'm working on that no one knows about, oh, so really? I'm going to bring a secret team there that I'm, I'm So I'll take up. it and make it better for you. <laughs> <laughs> now we're... Rick, I mean, during the game's development, um, I was very, very butchered guy and Rich was very, very fisher guy. Yeah. And we used as butchers and fishermen as the um, polar opposites to ensure the game balance. So yeah. if, if, if hard hitty, damagey team could, could win 50% and lightweight, scorey team could win 50%, then we've got a fairly decent balance and yeah. we can work inwards from there. Um, Rich, like what Rich is alluding to is um, 
there's a list that's called the attritionman list so I've been playing that a lot so it's basically a butcher's list in disguise as fishermen <laughs> so it's all about damage dealing and tanking and soaking up a lot of, a lot of damage yeah. but they, they are fishermen so it's, it's more of a kind of gotcha surprise when you sit down at the table and they think they're going to play like you know skinny lightweight guys and suddenly yeah. these bruisers just standing there going come on then and the fillet list I'm looking to play is like fishermen in disguise it's all about scoring <laughs> yeah. goals so, we, uh, so we're, we're still playing what we do yeah, like it's just Hind it in other guilds now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, thank, thanks very much. No, no worries. Nice to see you again. Yeah, so that was our interview with the lovely people from Steamforged uh, talking about their game Guild Ball. Yes. And specifically about season two of Guild Ball. Mm. Now, we talked about Guild Ball in uh, quite a lot of detail. Yes, because I'm going to do a little review on it, actually, in fact. Yeah, we did a critical hit or miss. Yes. Uh, back in episode, I want to say seven, might be 12. Well, I think it was 12. It's yes. later on. Mm. An earlier episode. We'll pop a link up on uh, YouTube's now. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. Look at that. And yes, season two is what I was waiting for before I properly threw myself into Guild Ball. Yeah. And the reason for that is I don't mind playing one-off games off stuff, but I love a campaign. Mm. And season two, as you've heard, has all the campaign rules in. That was going to be my question. What is season two? I don't yes. know. Um, but yeah, so yeah. it's the campaign stuff. Yeah, so you've got favours that you can accrue for your different uh, for the different guilds. You've got things you can do to mess people up, mm. um, and you have got all sorts of extra things thrown in to make the game sort of come alive and give a purpose to your. Games. Yes, not just that. Unlike a lot of campaign systems where you play the game, write some stuff on a sheet, and that's pretty much it until you come in next week. Mm. This is uh, marketing itself on the stuff you do in between. So the favours and stuff are well, I can't win the campaign, but I can make sure the person who beat me isn't going to win. How can I ruin them? Oh, okay. Yes. There's skullduggery, and we all love a bit of skullduggery. Yeah. Yes, the word skullduggery was mentioned. It was. We <laughs> did a skullduggery special. We where did. We talked about many skullduggerous games. And invented the word skullduggerous. <laughs> but were we lying? It's a good word. So as somebody that's not played Guildhall yet, I am excited to. You guys have sold it really well. Um, mm. I do I do want to play. We just always seem to end up playing Malifaux whenever we play anything miniature-based. Yes. Um, so Season 2 is an expansion, as it were, that yes. allows you to do campaigns. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with new, new players for each team, a whole new guild, the Hunter's Guild. Excellent. From scratch. You'd like them, bare people in the woods. They've introduced goalkeepers, yeah. Ooh, okay. um, who are models that are specifically designed to keep goal, that can have, when people come close to the goal, uh, the butcher one runs out and hits people with a giant tenderizer yeah. axe thing. Amazing. Yeah. Which um, really would make football more interesting. I, I may actually watch it if that was if that yeah. occurred in real yeah. life. True. As they mentioned, the Hunter's Guild has the giant bear Cena, who... Is he in any relation to John? Yes, that was their that was their in joke. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm quite disappointed. I don't. I was hoping that was a mistake. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's spelled S E E N A H, okay. but it's a reference but to. Can you see him? Is that yeah. going too far? With I, no, I, <laughs> Sorry. To be honest, I'm going to hold both of my hands up in the air and expose my armpits to you. I know nothing about what a John Cena is, other than that the teenage Ooh. teenagers I teach get really really excited and shout his name at me. I know what a John Cena is. My 10-year-old nephew shouted his name at him, so I Wikipedia it. He's a wrestler? Yes. Your 10-year-old nephew? Yes. Okay. I had no idea what he was talking about, but he kept saying John um, Cena every time he killed someone in a video game. It was weird. He's a, he's a knob. 
Uh, apparently comes out of nowhere. I think at one point he ran out of the crowd and smacked on with the chair or something. Okay. You know, yeah. Typical wrestling shit. And he used to wave his hand in front of his face like so, which you people can't see, but you probably know more than these lot. It looks saying, like, you, what's that? What's you that? can't see me. That's yeah. what he used to do. That's oh, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I remember eight, now. they used to do that particular waving the hand in front in like 80s music video. Like, yeah, yeah. to shy, shy. <laughs> no? No. Too I, much. Before cool. 2000, Brian. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're both out of Joe our comfort zones know. now. Well, you two know what I'm talking about. Not no. clue. Okay. Yay! The bear, however, very quickly. Um, what was mentioned is, you know how in a lot of games you get a giant monster creature and it always turns out to be a bit shit? Yeah. Or most of the... It's not very hard or it's very hard, but it hasn't got a lot... Or it hasn't doesn't do a lot it's of damage. It's got its flaws. It's yeah. got its flaws. This bear has at least... What was 21. it? Twice twenty-one hit points. Twenty-one hit points. Point of armor. None of this means anything to Joe. No, but basically it's fucking hard. Which it's is as scary as it looks. Yes. Oh, games. See, I like games that do that. Like you say, because the amount of stuff we've played, where you go, "Oh my god, look at that giant!" Oh, you look at it all, and you go, "Oh, it's uh, either it's, not going. It's good, it's hitting me with wet paper towels, or it's made of wet paper towels, yes. yeah. or there's something else involving wet paper towels because <laughs> there should have been three. And it's just not that great. They, yeah. they did say. Um, while we were talking to them, while they were showing us the model, that they from the very beginning they went, if you put a bear on a football pitch, that's fucking scary. We want it to be scary when you put it on the pitch, and it does just eat everything. Is it yeah. any good with the ball? Um, no, no, but it can score goals. It rolled one dice. <laughs> uh, it's got, it has a four-inch kick. Right, so it has a floor. Shit. Um, <laughs> I only want perfect models on my team. So you can sort of pass it the ball and all that kind yeah. of thing. Um, it's, it's not, not very good at it, yeah. but I've got models that are just as bad. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, generally big fat people. Here's the thing: it's as good as kicking nice. a ball as most of the butcher models. Yeah. yeah. Well, what so... they've done, I mean, it's part of the hunter's guild. The hunter's guild is all about uh, movement and getting in, kicking it somewhere, and running away very quickly. So field control. Uh, Whereas the bears, very much about being there and getting in the way, of being massive and frightening and slow. So they've got a nice of, balance. That kind of sounds like the way I generally play miniature games. I was. It's your anvil, it, and everything yeah. else comes and hits well, off a bit. That's why I said you're like Jitter Joe. They're bear people because that's how you play games. Bear people. Yes, but yes. lots and lots of people, possibly from London, or <laughs> very few people with a bear. Well, or naked, naked people. people, yeah. Oh, yes. Aaron kind of being wow. into the joke. Vote now for which you'd prefer. <laughs> yes. Which, Press, are, which team should I play? Naked people, Londoners, <laughs> or woodland critters? Are bears critters? I think it's they're like a stretching bit, critter. A I think they're far. a bit bigger From than a distance. Critters. You could probably call them a critter. Oh, look. Oh, no, it's got close. It's not a squirrel. Look at that yeah. tiny bear. It's coming towards us. It's growing. Um, <laughs> Small, <laughs> far away. <laughs> Yes. Um, the one, the other thing that I think just, just we're gonna just to mention is the way that they have introduced alternative captains to yeah. each team. Um, you could, you've got a pool of models to pick from in Guild Ball. Mm-hmm. You always have the same captain and the same mascot, and they've given you alternative versions of both. Actually, there are new mascots. Yes, for there each are. Team. So you can start to mix it up now because you'd always know, for instance, playing fish. If you're playing against the fishermen, they're always going to take shark. And Shark works in a certain way. He does. He's good at certain things. You know you're going to face that. Now they can pull out their alternate captain and confuse you, and yes. mess with you. So and they they 
they're generally they're, they're changing the play style slightly, a slightly different emphasis on how you play for each guild, yeah. which is nice. It adds a bit of variety because yeah. if you've been playing it since it came out, you've and you say you've been playing fishermen, you've used that one model in every game. So it's nice to have it that may variety. Have gone to the point where matches are becoming not one-sided, but stale, predictable, stale, yes, yeah. predictable. So it's nice to be mix, mixing it up, potentially allowing for multiple people to play the same team as well. Exactly. Yes. yes. So that, that's good. That all sounds pretty positive. I'm still excited to try this. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the sounds of it, I might go buy the hunters. Yeah. They sound yeah. Cool. Yeah. And um, none of you lot have them, which is cool. Yeah. I want yeah. to go for the Masons, and I I want to keep apologising for calling them knights. They're called <laughs> Masons, but they look like knights to me. Masons, they funny handshake team. They have a lot of political <laughs> power. A lot of them are policemen. Well, that's just got us a million more views. Sorry, yeah. conspiracists. Yes. Illuminati. <laughs> yes. Colin's playing the triangular eye people. <laughs> what we're going to do with this actually, because I picked up the book. I also picked up the rather nice deck of cards that goes with it. Yes. So that you can sort of attach the cards to your team yeah. uh, between matches, keeps it nice and easy. Um, we're going to finish our Malifaux campaign, yes. which is still going strong. Um, we're going to put our next podcast up for that in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, yeah we've we've been a bit delayed because of the expo excitement. Yeah, the expos um, happened on the weekend we would have been playing. It, yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's been pushed back a bit because we've had all this exciting stuff to, yeah. to tell everyone. So we're going to rush that a little bit because I'm really excited to play Guild Ball. So yeah. we're going to sort of accelerate into that. So that'll be our next big campaign that we do. So yeah. for those of you that are enjoying the campaign... Excellent. Uh, do that. Those of you that don't know about our campaigns, we log the campaign as we go. We talk about what we've taken, why we've taken it, how the games have gone, sharing tips, tactics, strategies for each game as we play it. So those of you that are into Malifaux and would enjoy that kind of thing, go back. We've got three episodes already. Or even just people that want a bit more of an insight into the game. I know yeah. I spoke to a couple of people who kind of went, oh, I played version one and it was a bit meh. Yeah. But we, I mean, we, we looked at version one quite yeah. a lot. But never picked it up, and I don't know how much of a difference there is, but version 2 is stunning. There's yes. a couple of people I told I was talking to at the expo about it, um, mentioning using Vassal to play it online and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, version 2 is amazing, so check out the one stuff we've done about it, or and uh, give the game a go, if yeah. nothing else. Cool. So yeah, that was, uh, that was Guild Ball. Thank you very much to the lovely chaps at Steamforged uh, for the interview. We had a really nice chat with John from Geekinson Furniture talking about their deluxe master-crafted, uh, hand-built... Tables of sexiness. Yes, tables of sexiness. Why not? That's the best way to, to describe them. Uh, so here's our interview. So we're here at the uh, Geek, Geekinson Geek Furniture uh, store. Place what it's called, it's a bit bigger than that. Um, and uh, we're currently sat around on their lovely, lovely tables. Um, but would you like to tell us uh, about your company and uh, about yourself a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. So my name's John, part of the, the Geekinson team. Um, it's a family run business. Um, the, the table was designed by a family man, so father of three, um, who had the common problem of enjoying board games but not having the space for a gaming table and a dining room table yeah, yeah so it was either get a solution or continue as we we have to to uh, pack your game away in order to use a table as a dining room table yeah so then the solution to that problem was the uh, Dennis table which is the first table that, that he made 
Um, and it evolved from there. Again, with him being a family man, the, the first few tables were destroyed by the children. Uh, so that ranged from spilling a drink on the table yeah. when the, the tabletop was on and, and then everything leaking through onto the, the table. So he had to come up with a solution, uh, which he did with the keep dry system, which is, is something that he's designed. All the, the table leaves, so the table tops that, that come apart uh, and come off the table, have all got a rubber seal. Okay. And if something does get spilt on there, instead of seeping through onto the, the base of the table, yeah it then drains away to the side where all around the table there's a, there's a drain oh okay yeah. yeah yeah and then all the way through the drain there are little holes and that's where any liquids any any water beer cup of tea whatever it is yeah. will then just go straight onto the floor avoiding the, the the table avoiding the important parts of the table yeah so you're not going to ruin the inset you're not going to ruin any board games that you've got under there yeah. because bearing in mind and remembering the whole point of the table is to pause your game yeah. to have then dinner. have dinner, use the table and then very quickly carry on where you were. Yeah. That's why Imperium becomes playable. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about the table we're sat at at the moment, the uh, Henry one? Absolutely, um, absolutely. So we only, uh, as, as the... Uh, the guys in the office, if you like. We only got our hands on this table on Thursday when we were unpacking it here at UK Games yeah. Expo. So we were as excited as, as most, seeing it for the first time in the flesh. Uh, the, the difference with the table, has got everything that the Dennis table has got. So the, 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 the fact that you can pause your game, use it as a dining room table, it's got the drainage system, it's got the rail around the edge for the accessories. Um, the difference with this table, either end of the table, there's a drawer that will come out. Yeah and one of those drawers then lifts up uh, like a desk to become a GM station. Oh. So um, that's, that's one of the big features. The other one uh, is that this table is the first table that we've done that's Bluetooth with three speakers. So one uh, subwoofer speaker in the middle, two smaller speakers either side, yeah. uh, and gives off a really good sound. Yeah, a we'll really good sound. Yeah, I bought it with something over in the, like a proper stereo speaker off. The exactly, like, exactly. It turns out that the table itself is uh, it offers great acoustics, yeah. Uh, yeah. the same as it would you know a guitar maybe, you know yeah. with with the with the speakers in there. So the, like a, an electric acoustic guitar, we've got the same effect going on. Um, and in regard to the table itself, I mean, it's just that little bit different. Uh, the edges are slightly different in regard to it. It's just got uh, that different finish, which just makes it look that little bit more special. Yeah. So it's almost an upgrade, if you like. <laughs> yeah. um, so what sort of things can you do with the Bluetooth? So uh, if you're doing so podcast, we'll show pictures and things for it afterwards. Is it not real? But, yeah. Um, so what, we, what we've been doing all weekend, obviously we've had the music going. Yeah. Um, so you link your, your phone, your iPad, whatever it might be, play the music. Um, great for just having the music going. So for somewhere like, like here at the UK Games Expo, to have some music going is great. Yeah. Um, but also for some of the games. So for example, Sheriff of Nottingham board game comes with a soundtrack. Yeah. So rather than going off to the CD player, putting that in, if you've got it there as an app or if you've got it on your iPad, whatever it is, then you've got the, uh, the atmosphere going with your soundtrack going to your board game whilst you're playing. With the lights as well, which is the other huge thing about the Dennis table and this table, uh, LED lights, 
down either side of the table, remote control, change the colours to, to fit the atmosphere. Yeah. So you can very quickly switch from, from red to blue. If you really want to set the scene for night time, you're in blue and then all of a sudden, you know, daylight arises and then bang, there it is, it's yellow. So any uh, role play games are absolutely fantastic. Also, yeah. <laughs> any war games. Um, you know, people like uh, with the, with the uh, World of Warcraft games and things like that, where they've got the miniatures. Um, if you've got the terrain set up, and then you can also alter the light. Quite a special effect yeah. uh, that some people like, <laughs> and maybe some people haven't thought of. Yeah, I had yeah. all that, and I'm very happy now. <laughs> Broken columns are lovely. This. Yeah. So yeah. all the table bits are all modular, so all slots in nice and easy. Absolutely. And uh, I've noticed you've got a lot of bits on these sides, actually, like the cup holder that Brian's currently using. Yes. Yeah, so Brian, Brian's come with his with his uh, with his tin that he's he's set on the uh, the cup holder. Um, all the accessories fit on the table. They fit on the Dennis table as well. But you can take them on and off easily. You can slide them round to where you are. Yeah. So if you have to move, uh, then the the uh, accessories just slide with you. Not a problem at all. Um, on the in the actual inset of the table, on the inside of the table, um, the uh, inset itself, pick a colour. Yeah. We'll do the colour. Uh, if you want that double-sided, you can have one colour on one side, one on the other, for, again, for different games that you're playing, whatever it may be. Um, and again, you lift that out and you'll reveal an acrylic sheet underneath, which you get a suction cup with the table, which you can lift up the acrylic sheet. So if you're sliding under any maps, terrains or anything like that, if you want to then use a whiteboard marker to mark off anything during a game, as soon as you've finished, uh, you, can, you can wipe that off and away you go again. Yeah. Uh, the other side of that as well, if not just board gaming but as a practical side, uh, one guy, I say guy, one, one seven year old told me quite enthusiastically that in October when they get their table, he will be able to use that to carve his pumpkins on the acrylic sheet and his mum's told him that's fine because when he's finished he can just wipe off the acrylic sheet, put everything back together and away you go. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to remember that as a marketing thing, maybe. Yes. Yes, I don't definitely. know if we can sell them as pumpkin tables, but it's certainly something we'll look into. Do definitely. your kids enjoy arts and crafts? Are they messy? Of course they are. Here's some acrylics so they, they don't ruin your expensive nice table. Exactly yeah. that. Exactly Which I'm pretty that. sure as a kid, I destroyed my parents' <laughs> dining room table more than once. Now, we are sitting on the world's most accomplished chairs. What's the name of these ones? Because I need to, I might actually just for my room. Quite honestly, the, the table itself is that new. We only named it in the week. Uh, the chairs, as of yet, have no name. Oh. So whether we'll call them Henry chairs or not, I don't know. Uh, or we might uh, liaise with, with somebody to, to maybe have some ideas put forward for the name of the chair. So maybe you guys, if, you, if that was something that you wanted to put out there, yeah. uh, and if you get any responses, uh, realistic and uh, age-appropriate <laughs> names. Uh, yeah, cherry McChairface. Cherry McChairface, yeah. But it's something that we can have a look at, definitely. Definitely. I, I do like these chairs, actually. I can, you can't understand listening to this how comfortable these chairs are. <laughs> I really like what you said about the accessories and how they've been designed to be child-proof or clumsy role-play friend like Colin. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah. So we've, we've all got that one one friend. Um, yeah, I've got three. You've got three. <laughs> <laughs> but all the, all the accessories on the table are designed to break before the table. So if, if somebody does come round, sits on an accessory, leans on an accessory, or even just knocks it 
uh, quite heavy-handedly, the accessory will break rather than the table. It won't break the table in the process. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So if you have to replace a £20 accessory, uh, frustrating as it is, you can live with that. If you have to replace the, the table, uh, because one of your friends is, is quite heavy-handed, heavy uh, you know, you, you've lost your table and probably your friend as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the tables themselves, I mean, they can really vary because they are made to order. Yeah. So the price, to a degree, does depend on who's ordering them. Yeah. So if somebody does come in and write, say, you know, for example, with this table we're sat now, the Henry table, if somebody says, I want this exact table, I want the works, I want it to have exactly what this table has got, yeah. uh, you're looking at, at just over 3,000, so 3,270 pounds. Um, it does sound like a lot, it, and it is, let's be honest, yeah. um, but it is an investment. They are made completely from hardwood, yeah. oak or ash, and they will be uh, lasting generations. Yeah. You know, when you're looking back in, at, at uh, Victoria furniture, or Victorian furniture, sorry, uh, there's no veneer furniture, simply because it wouldn't last. Um, but all furniture from that era has lasted hundreds of years because it is nothing but wood and yeah. it's still going and it's still going and it's still going and that's what these will do as well um, can't guarantee the accessories if your friends are coming round um, but the tables themselves solid wood hardwood you can feel they're very heavy um, and they'll, they'll keep going generations they really will I've seen people pay more than that for something of similar size that doesn't have the forecourt and everything else you guys are clearly oh, definitely yeah. definitely you can pay that for a table uh, or you can pay that for a dining room table plus game table with all the all the bells and whistles. Yeah, I think my parents' dining room table cost about two and a half grand. It's a solid oak table, but it's not two this. and a half. It's not this. Is it, is it Bluetooth? No. It, it, does it have lights? No. No. Okay. It doesn't have accessories <laughs> and it's not waterproof. Or a DM screen, so you can ignore it. Yeah, it doesn't have a desk built into it. But you don't. You don't have to spend three thousand pounds. Absolutely not, absolutely not. Um, for a lot of people, even just uh, room permitting, they, they wouldn't be able to spend that money because that, that money, that three and a half thousand pounds will get you a large table. Uh, if you haven't got the room for a table, obviously, uh, or a table of that size, then obviously it, it's going to be cheaper because it depends on what you want. If you want a smaller table, maybe without all the accessories, maybe uh, that doesn't have all the features, that's up to you and we'll work with you as best as we can to try and get uh, a table within your budget that still ticks all the boxes for what for what you want it to do so they um, you, you make them to size or is there a list of set sizes that you do there's a there's a, a list of set sizes that we'll work to right. but if somebody does get in touch and say look guys uh, I'm looking for a little bit something in between yeah. we'll work with them with that also the height um, you know, if you've got friends that are, uh, you know, the size of sort of Stephen Merchant and, and people like that, uh, they might want a slightly taller table. Um, or you might be looking for something, uh, you know, if, if your friend is Bilbo Baggins, it's going to be coming around. We are all tiny hobbit people. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to mention it for you guys because, uh, you know, it's not visual, it's audio, so people wouldn't have known. But, uh, but for you guys, you know, if you, if you did want a smaller table, you just let us know and we will make it how you want it. Uh, you have one craftsman from start to finish on the table. There'll be one guy responsible for making every part of the table. No production line, 
Um, so you haven't got Andy in legs doing the legs, you haven't got Jeff over in uh, tabletops doing that, because when you try and put it all together... Um, You've got inconsistencies. Exactly. Even, even little inconsistencies, maybe with colours, um, that could cause a big issue. Yeah. Uh, but that, that is the main, main reason, but also for us as a company, we're confident, we're guaranteeing um, quality, because one person is responsible um, and they make sure that they do everything from start to finish. There's no one else that they can turn to if there is an error uh, and blame. And yeah. blame. Um, if, if we do find errors like that, then obviously they will be sacked on the spot, uh, asked to leave the country and, uh, and never return. Or we'll just highlight that that, that was their error, maybe you know, not to do that not, again. Not, don't, don't do it again. Yeah. If we were to surrender and order ourselves a table, how long would it take to, to so you're looking at a lead time of around about three months. Generally, we'll get it done before, um, but even the first three weeks of your order, the wood that the table is made of will be sat resting. So it will be in a special uh, humidity controlled uh, chamber to make sure that the wood is correct to be worked on. Um, if you were to go out there, chop a tree down and start working on it, it will split, it will warp, it will bend. Yeah. Um, we, we make sure that the wood is ready for the table and that's every table so uh, we do have some wood that is resting um, as a bit of a backlog um, yeah, but yeah. generally uh, we, we will start afresh. That's more care and attention than the logs I buy for keeping my house warm. <laughs> burn my whole house down. <laughs> yeah that was great. So if people are interested how do they get hold of you, how do they find you? So they can go on the Geekinson website um, they can have a look on there. We're a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a Twitter page. Uh, there is uh, videos that, that me and my, uh, my colleague Martin, the designer of the tables, have been making um, to give people that, that almost that virtual tour of the tables and sitting down on a video and explaining. Um, so if you were to YouTube board game table, uh, we will be there. Um, and you can meet us uh, through the powers of YouTube. Um, and it's quite interactive as well. So we're going to be putting regular tables to keep everybody up to date with new tables, with new furnitures, with new ideas. So if somebody's coming to us, they've seen our videos and they're saying, hey guys, have you thought about a, a hexagonal table? Obviously, at the time, no, we haven't. But that then is something that we've taken from the feedback that we've getting. Uh, and that is something that is now going to be put into action. We will see how it goes, yeah. see what it looks like, uh, and we'll go from there. Thank you very much. No worries. It's been a pleasure, guys. It's been really good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. That's fairly comprehensive as an interview. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Geekinson. Uh, with these tables, I think it's something that I have aspired to have for a long, long time. Yeah. And they're also something that you look at online and you look at in pictures and videos and go, oh, that's quite nice. You see them in the flesh. Mm. But I kind of walked past and stroked one a little bit and went, ooh, I didn't look at it for long because it makes me sad I can't have them. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But they are stunningly well made. Yeah. Yes. They are beautiful, beautiful, almost works of art. Yes. Yeah. They are heirloom quality stuff. They're yeah. the kind of things you will pass on yeah. to, well, I was going to say to your children, but I'm not having children. So to somebody I'll, else's children. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll give, give my child all the things. Yes, yes. yes. There we go. Well, I was <laughs> I was sitting around it for how long was I interviewed? Twenty minutes, half hour, and I didn't break it. Therefore, it's sturdy and well. <laughs> yes, immune to the fickle. Uh, yeah. Crisis of fate. He yes. did. He, if it been any other built table, there was at least three occasions during it. You may even hear the clunks occasionally where he knocks bits of the table and yes. he just goes, okay, and rolls with it. No table I built with. This, if you imagine not to no any other on. table I, it would have been flipped upside down seven people would have been impaled it would have been oh, I would have been <laughs> terrible but nope nope this one tragedy at the NEC didn't even scratch it. small monotone man <laughs> yeah there is yes I am in pain <laughs> I've seen these things online I've seen like tabletop has uh, geek geek chic Geek yeah. shake, I think, yeah. 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 They, have, they have a similar thing. He bought the wrong table. He did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Dice Tower have one now. You also bought the wrong table. <laughs> um, so please help us get really big so that Geekinson can send us a table. We can sit round and... Vin it. Diesel has yeah. a gaming table as well, didn't he? Yes. Vin yeah. Diesel, you bought the wrong gaming table. Yes. yes. These things are absolutely lovely seeing them in the flesh, seeing what they, they do... Touching them, holding them, caressing their wood, and knowing the hand crafted. Yes, for, for you, in essence, that that is an extra special bit of. You've yeah. made it just for me. Yeah. When I was scouting the thing out and had a first chat with Geekinson that we didn't keep, which I'm slightly disappointed at because you were better than we were. No, a very <laughs> odd man came over and asked us if the chairs that they had uh, were suitable for BDSM. To answer oh. that, actually, they were sturdy enough. I think you could get away with it. Well, they had um, they had handles on the back, yeah, big did. iron rings to, to pull them out. And I think he was... They don't ruin the leather. Yeah, imagining sort of chaining himself to it. But he just came and interrupted our conversation, asked that question, wandered off. <laughs> we were like, what's going on? And it was very fun. I actually had a better plan for those little things. What you could do is hook them up to some kind of pulley system in the wall. So when a player gets knocked out of a game, you press a button, they get yanked away from the table. <laughs> yes. Oh, see, I was thinking more right. like Austin, Austin Powers, where you press the button, the chair falls back into a lava pit, so you have it attached to a chain that just pulls it back yeah. and drops them into your lava dungeon. Put the chairs on hinges. Yes. Oh, are we imagining the only way we're ever going to be able to afford these tables if we're evil geniuses? Well, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's two well, aspirations there, Aaron. Yeah, evil well, and genius. Yes. Here's the way to sum it up, Aaron. Are you an evil genius? Not yet. Do you have any money? No. That's why. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that were I to win the lottery or complete a hit for the mob for a large amount of cash. <laughs> yeah, if I had the money, I would buy one without thinking twice. As it is, it's the kind of thing I almost bought anyway because they had a sale yeah. <laughs> um, at the expo. Um, they have offered 15% off for anyone who is at the expo and... If you do want one, get in touch with us. We may be able to wangle that for you as well. Mm. I have a very persuasive voice. <laughs> you have the dulcet tones of a young Lawrence Fishburne. Exactly. They want to give us discounts so that we I stop talking. Yes. <laughs> Has everyone else fallen asleep from Colin's monotone? <laughs> yes, they have. When you go to an expo, a convention or such like... If they're there, go and see them. Yeah. Go and see what they've got. Have a 
fondle of the wood, as I go, said. Go earlier. lay on it, go climb in the table, go try live in the table. Yeah. It's <laughs> they are just absolutely perfect. The the way they, they drain so you don't damage the board, mm. the way that the, the insides are built, the fact that everything slides away so you don't have bits of wood leaning against the wall. Everything has just got that extra little bit of thought that a proper gamer would have put in going, oh, okay, yeah, I've, I've, I've taken the top off. I don't want to lean it against the shelves. Right, I need somewhere for it to go. Yeah. Um, my god someone's lent on a cup holder and snapped the table right let's make the cup holder snap first because the table's too expensive but they've obviously thought about it yeah um, and it was very very nice we should have played a game on it yeah although it technically was somebody else's table by the time we were doing yeah they had bought it we were still playing with it um, yeah. one thing you, you can get in the latest super duper top of the range table one thing you can do with their super duper top of the range table is get a built-in sound system. Mm. And what would what could you possibly play through such a sound system? Oh, there could, it could be this this glorious app that you could play through to support your particularly your RPG habits. Something that that could give you background music and noises and sound effects. Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Beatles. <No>. Oh. <laughs> You, you now, here's the thing I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really good link there, a great seek. Um, Aaron ran off on his own. I did. Yes, I ran off and saw Ben Looms of Sirenscape, who showed us through our little uh, the little app and gave me a very pleasant interview. Excellent. Well, here it is. So this is the interview with uh, Ben Looms for the Sirenscape app. Um, did you want to tell us a little bit about it for the for reviews? Yes, Sirenscape is an app that creates incredibly immersive, beautiful, non-repetitive music and sound for tabletop role-playing games. It's not just a 15-minute recording of a dragon eating. <laughs> it's actually all the elements of that sound design. The dragon's roars, the screams of poor women, the sounds of buildings being knocked over, dogs barking. <laughs> All completely independent and customizable and under the control of you as the GM. But actually, the most important feature is it's all automated. So they're all triggered independently. Then You never get that situation where you've heard the same track over and over again. Yeah. And everyone stops the game. It's like, this is a bit where it goes, woof, woof, woof. <laughs> actually, it can never repeat itself because every single element of the sound design is completely independently controlled by the app and creates beautiful naturalistic settings from elven forests to out on the high seas to pirates attacking out of the high seas to dragons and pirates attacking out of the high seas thunderstorms everything you can possibly imagine fantastic um, what was it that particularly inspired you to I mean you, know, yeah. you said you listen to things a lot over again and it's like it's mm. probably a problem when you're playing games yourself mm, that's right yeah so I was playing tabletop games I figured that sound was something that was perfectly natural for the table like it occurred at some it occurred to someone early in the 20th century that sound could be something you could add to movies and, yeah. everyone, and everyone was like oh no that'll wreck it oh. and eventually people realised the uh, capacity of sound yeah. and so I just was naturally grabbing soundtracks from movies uh, and then started sort of mixing and matching some environmental sounds you know yeah. as I said the sounds of dogs and wolves and, and a bit of wind and things yeah. and recording audio tracks 15 minute loops and it all does go back to this one moment at the table where my players literally stopped the game and said stop 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 and they went Woof, woof. Oh. 
<laughs> it's like, because it had been like the seventh time that little bit of the recording had come round again. Yeah. And that's the problem because it actually breaks the immersion. It doesn't really add to the immersion. So yeah. I started trying to make my tracks longer and longer and then I, ah, and I just thought, surely this is something a computer can do. A computer can pick up individual samples, position them in 3D, put them at random distances, apply, you know, reverb dynamically. Okay, that's, so you yeah. really got into oh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Nice, that's, that's very cool. So that's right. So that dog track, you know, maybe one time the dog's coming out the left surround speaker and it's really a long way away and it's yeah. just a, basically an echo of the dog. And the next time it's right like, behind you in the right speaker. Yeah. And all that's controllable um, to me as a sound set creator. That's brilliant. Um, have uh, you designed it with a stereo escape in mind or more of a surround sound kind of uh, so you basically set the app so it, it's designed in full surround yeah so it'll spread those sounds around the full surround spectrum if uh, obviously I can set whether something comes just from the center which you do for like a kind of the boss of a battle so he's always standing completely up front yep or if you're scattering general birdie tweets you allow them to spread right around in the surround spectrum and then if you set the app to, to stereo all it does is collapse that spectrum um, down to a uh, all the way from left to right pan on the stereo. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Um, so I noticed you've got uh, a lot of selection of different packs from mm. you know, dragons mm. or owlbears, I know it's coming mm. out soon, mm. and things like that. Um, and quite fantastically, some actual packs for like Pathfinder yeah. campaigns and stuff like yeah, that, which yeah. would have been absolutely life-saving with some yeah. things. <laughs> I, I, this is a thing I know most RPG groups do have a problem with, and ours is particularly notorious for it, which I'll, I'll explain in the podcast later on. But <laughs> We never follow on what RGM mm. tells us to do. Mm. We decide to go off on a random tangent. Yeah. Is there room scope for, oh no, they've decided to go yeah. on that boat rather than into that yeah. village. I haven't planned for this. Absolutely, yeah. The, the, the latest version of the players has a keyword search at the top of the left-hand column. So yep. you literally type in C, and the five sound sets that have C sounds, you know, there's an underwater sound set, which is amazing, where you dive into the water and your ears get blocked up. <laughs> and there's underwater monsters trying to eat your face. Yep. And then there's a high C, so that'd be the one that would appear. You just click on it and you just click, uh, you know, good day for sailing. Think, and suddenly Sirenscape crossfades beautifully smoothly and you've got the sounds of uh, the rigging rattling and the sails luffing and the, the water rushing past the hull. Oh, fantastic. And then, you know, you could just, you know, some, someone decides to summon a storm or something. So you just type in storm into that keyword search and, and then you just add in some sounds of a bit of distant rain and thunder and then you can ramp it up gradually. Yeah. The, the whole idea is that uh, Sirenscape keeps the attention of the game master on the players as much as possible. And that's yeah. pretty much why I built it because I found to get effective sound, I was using more and more time managing and searching. Yeah. And that's kind of a pain because we're playing a social game. We want to, sure we want immersion, that's great, but yeah. not if it actually breaks the kind of communal at atmosphere at the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was having a quick flip through because I know you do one for mm. sci-fi and yeah. fantasy and also notice you're starting to move into board games mm -hmm. with the Catan that's one. That's right. As, are there any plans for any other kind of expansions in that area? Well, well about three years ago is when we turned up with a fantasy player. And that's when we approached Paizo and got a license to produce the official content for Pathfinder role-playing game, Fantastic. which is amazing. <laughs> and Paizo, if you know anything about the company, they're really passionate about their works. Yeah. They're really very closely involved with the third-party third publishers and uh, licensed publishers, I mean. So they really review everything. So we really are making the sounds of Galarian. And then we've just signed a license with Mutants and Masterminds yeah. by Green Ronin, who are awesome company. So now we're doing superheroes punching each other in space. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and then, yeah, the board game player, we have a license with Catan. So 
now when you're playing Settlers of Catan and you roll a seven, instead of just like, oh, it's a seven, okay, yeah. you know, I don't get any resources, what a pain. Yeah. Um, and seven is, of course, the most common number rolled on 2D6. And there's a little robber sound, and we got our voice actor in, and he went mental. So <laughs> uh, you can probably maybe stick some of them into, this, into the podcast. They're hilarious, yeah. hilarious, all these different robber sounds. So you never quite know what you're going to get when you push that robber button. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And then the big thing for us, you're asking about what's next, is yep. the Sunset Creator, which is allowing... The, our, our users to grab all our content that we've built to mix and match different elements from different sound sets and then content from scratch. Whether it be content that they're just going to use privately by say ripping all the soundtrack of a computer game yep. off and then bringing it into the creator so they can have more and more music or sharing content that's completely copyright valid uh, yep. with the whole community. So we've got someone for instance wonderful, Caldef on the forums is his name, he built a jungle, which is just something I hadn't got to. I, I'd done forests and woodlands, and I'd never got to a, a tropical jungle, and I hadn't turned yeah. up in one of the Pathfinder adventure paths. So people were like, give me a jungle. I'm like, yes, totally, yeah. <laughs> but now um, uh, Caldeth took the time to build that jungle, so that's now shared across all the community, and that's really fantastic. Oh, yeah, that is that's mm. great news. Mm. Um, what kind of, so I don't, I'm not the one blurbing this at people, yeah, sort of thing, you're... Um, What's your payment plans and stuff? So you said the yeah. app's free, so you get, is it free? Uh, yeah, you, you download, a, a, say, let's say a fantasy player, you download that for free on iOS, so iPhones or iPads, yep. on Android, phones or tabs, um, on PC or Mac. Yeah. And cool. with that comes two free sound sets, just two generic ones. A fantasy player has like a generic battle sound set and a generic spooky forest one. Cool. You can have, that, have a go of that, see if you like the sound, check it works on your device. Yeah. Uh, it works on almost everything and then you can make an account and then you can buy stuff individually one by one if you prefer to do that so you can yep. buy a dragon attack or you can dry, buy um, you know, your kobold battle or you can subscribe to unlock absolutely everything at once so oh. the fantasy subscription is $6.50 and that'll make everything light up in the entire app which wow. means as you mentioned before if your players say oh we, we take the boat out to sea <laughs> no <laughs> so that'll be available in the app right there yep. you type See, uh, even if you haven't downloaded it ever before, it's there available for you because you're a subscriber. You just click download. It takes about sort of 35 seconds to download or something, and you boom, and you touch it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then there's a similar subscription for the sci-fi, or you can be a super siren and unlock absolutely everything and use the Santa Creator and get access to all the community content and all that. Oh, brilliant. One of the big differences with our subs is that actually everything that we release while you're a subscriber you gain permanent ownership of. Oh, okay. So actually the subscription is a, a just a really big discount on buying everything we release. Yeah, mm. oh, it's, that's incredibly generous actually. Well, yeah. This, the quality of the stuff I was listening to mm. was really high. Thank I was you, very yeah. impressed with that. Is, is there, how large a team have you got working for you? Because um, obviously... We have, yeah, so we have about a dozen people involved in the company all together, various different people in various capacities. Yeah. I build... Most of the fantasy stuff still myself. Yeah. Uh, I've got a different composer now. I, I did all the composition, all the big orchestral composition for about 18 months. And we've now changed me out for the moment to, yeah. you know, keep it fresh. You don't want to hear <laughs> the same composer over and over again. So that's been great, uh, getting a fresh composer in with a fresh sound. Yeah. 
Uh, then the sci-fi stuff is all built by a guy called Gil Luna, who's over in the US, fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's sort of a team that expands and contracts various different freelancers. The, all the art is done by gorgeous, fantastic artist, Ariane Elliott, who's yeah. a Sydney-based artist, who's amazing. Yeah, it's very um, stunning. Yeah, we're spread out over the world, actually. Like yeah. Various different people doing various different things. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for taking time to come talk to me, because uh, we'll definitely be taking a look at this for our campaigns and stuff yeah. in the future. So, yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Quite a bit of fun competing to be a dragon. I was rubbish at being a dragon. And you weren't. No, I was yeah, awful, yeah. I was awful, I was the worst. I got really panicked. I got like really, like loads of people stopped to look. Yeah, they did, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, oh, what's happening? And then I put them all off and then everyone else gave amazing performances. I was alright, wasn't particularly yeah, quite amazing, but thank you. Uh, Rob was really, really good. Yeah, um, we we'll put the video Rob. of him up. Did you video him? Oh, I might. Yes, I must have videoed Rob. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We'll put that up. If we can't find it, then we won't put it up. But I'll cut this, so it don't matter. Yay! Go technology. Wizardry. I was really, really intrigued by the idea. However, I had lots of reservations. It's something I've wanted for ages. We've tried using music in, especially for role-playing games before. Yeah. To get a bit of atmosphere, we tried YouTube, and you get an advert, or yeah. it just stops, or you end up with something really inappropriate. Yeah, so the playlists. Some I know some people put a lot of effort into them, but they don't fit what you want, mm. I think is probably what it is. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had moments where you've had a, a dark, brooding atmosphere yeah. followed by twangy tavern music, and just yeah. kind of going, oh, we're still in the dark place, where yeah. it's just got weird. One, I mean, it's covered in the interview, but I won't repeat it again here. One of the things I did mention to him is a big thing, the reason why these things don't work for us is, is that we like to go off on tangents, as many RPG groups do. Um, and I, I reiterated our story of you, run, well, your story of running the campaign where you expect everybody to go uh, on a little side quest. There's a big yeah. war setting it up, and everybody decided to go join the war campaign. Yeah, they all volunteered for the army. And I was like, but it's not your fight. And they were like, yes, but they've invaded our neighbours and friends. You don't like those people. Yes, we do. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so I said to him, it was like, now, this this happens more often than, than anybody not. would like. Um, <laughs> can it cope with you flicking a switch in? And he pointed, did two things on the flick app to in front of me and went, yeah, there you go. Simple as that. It's a quick search. I was like, it was seconds to change over to something new. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. You set up your own little lists, so you've got your own thing set up. You can set up an emergency... Oh god, they've not done what I asked them to. List and you can search for other things within does, there. Does that just go? Wah, wah, wah. Pretty much, <laughs> it's just the sound of a DM crying with their dice. <laughs> it does also have board game music to accompany your board game nights. They've got the license for Settlers of Catan. Yes. Uh, so you have lots a selection of sheep noises. Yeah. A selection of wood noises. <laughs> yeah. And wheat, wheat noises. Yes. Yeah. But they're all. Mm, good wheat. There's a selection of them as well. It's not just you press the wheat button and it makes whoosh noise. It also makes like a crackling noise of the, of the wheat moving or or the noise of cattle trumping through the wheat. So every time you press the button, a slightly different noise comes out that's related. All I've got yeah. is one of those kids' toys now. The, the cow goes... <laughs> the sheep <laughs> goes... And, until they run out of batteries when the cow goes... <laughs> the dog <laughs> goes... <laughs> mutates mid... mid- <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I, he did show us that I assume isn't on the interview. 
One of the things he did show us was one of the official Pathfinder modules included a lot of farting. Yeah, it did. Now, <laughs> Ben told us <laughs> that the way he got the great variety of different farts, and there is, I mean, if you like farts, if you like the noise of farts, and which amongst us doesn't like the noise of farts? Me. me. Do they not make you laugh? No. Do you not laugh at farts? These, these might have done. Yeah. Um, he I reckoned that they know. got someone and blew, blew air directly into their anus and then got them to fart it out onto a microphone. I think he was winding us up. Over that, or I wouldn't want to be the voice actor afterwards. No. I don't want to play poker against Ben in case he's the world's greatest liar. <laughs> um, but I also don't really want to go too near him if he did forcibly insert air into <laughs> people's asses for fart noises. I mean, he's gone the extra mile, if so. <laughs> muted the rest of the podcast for I this. I think me, me and Colin are instantly put off this. Yeah. Just because, uh... It's to do with the module. Yeah. There's a there's a gribbly monster beast. There are no excuses. <laughs> no. But no, you from, don't have to use it. No, yeah. from, from everything you've said, it sounds... If I've seen things like this done before... And they're shit. Yeah. Yes. Now, if this has done it right, it will be fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's mixing the sound live as you go. Yeah, yeah. Rather than having sort of jagged bits where it just repeats. Now, the one thing that I think would be quite nice... Yep. ...is if it had the ability to record a couple of your own things. So if you wanted to be able to go into a cave and have the, the NPC go, ah, you have arrived. And something you've planned out but don't want to have to do on the fly, you could go, you, you walk in and... There is, um, I don't know about actually specifically in the app, but there is a community-based sound collection that they're building okay. up. So you can put forward sound effects that you've made yourself. And if you're part of a particular part of their subscription package, you've got access to all those kind of extra things as well, including yeah. so you okay. can add your own on and help other people with it at the same time. Cool. That is see that I quite like, and I do like the idea of being able to do your own things on the fly. I think that's something that's desperately needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, or like I mean, if you imagine like mid campaign being able to go, oh, and and he tells you this riddle and you hold record while you say the riddle to somebody. So later on, when they go, what did he say again? Oh, you've remembered it word for word. It was this. Or yep. little, little things like that, I think, could be cool. Something yep. could be quite good if you, you, you've got all your adventurers around a campfire at night, and then they're on watch, and then just pressing a button and a creepy hee-hee-hee sound yeah. comes There's up. that. But yeah, that, that running be... footsteps, that type of stuff See, that's yeah. the yeah. kind of generic amazing. thing that will already be there. It's, yes. it's those little specific things, which while aren't yeah. necessary, I think it might be... As you can record your own stuff, yeah. you can set a button to play a thing. Yeah. 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 So, now, yeah. Now I think I you're right. Now all I want to do is a horror campaign where um, you call the characters' names out while they sleep occasionally. Well, thankfully enough, Brian has... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, have, the horror. I have got all the horror to play, which we'll mention in a bit, but I'm slightly scared of my own decadence. Excellent. <laughs> I'm like a... As you should be for that, actually. I'm like a syphilitic... I love your level of decadence. <laughs> yeah. I aspire to your level of decadence. We just never mind. have enough time to play all my decadent things. No, oh, no, but what we'll do is when I've gone to part time we'll have a special other gaming day where I'll do fun things cool <laughs> you implying current things aren't fun more things um, yeah so that was Sirenscape yep I'm very tempted to subscribe yeah especially now we have all the things to play from the expo yeah having that just that that little bit of atmosphere yeah music can be can 
really help a game just take just really immerse your players the best moments i've had in role play games are those moments where i've kind of forgotten where i am and i'm in the game i am my i feel like my character yeah and all those extra distractions have gone and that music can really help but it can also really screw it up Yes. Yeah. And it's nice to see it done so well. Tone changes, yeah, like you said. I mean, I know we've had a couple of moments where at two in the morning you have gone, Rah! and then gone, oh, fucking hell, what's the time? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that's it. That immersion that you can get. Any good game does it with music, yeah. um, video-wise, video game yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, and something like this, I think, could be a massive boon to any DM that's yeah. running a campaign. Yeah. Excellent. So that was Sirens Gate. Now we're talking about RPGs. Yeah. Um, tabletop role-playing games where you play roles of different tabletops well, and you compete to hold more things. No. Can I be marble? Well, that's a heavy tabletop. You've, yeah. got, very, you've got very low movement. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I reckon I could support a, la- a large load. Yes. <laughs> that sounded... Can we, can we cut this? No. <laughs> no. Um, no but, um, just talk about tabletop RPGs. We also caught up with the lovely people behind the RPG Sleeper, Orphans of the Cold War. Mm. Which I missed last year, unfortunately. Did you really? Yes. Um, okay. It was... I don't know, were they near the Bring and Buy, I think? There was like one of the entrance to the Bring and Buy was nearby, the one the halls they were in, and I was like, I can't go near it anymore, and I missed them. Well, you yeah. and Colin played it. Here is our interview with the lovely people behind Sleeper, Orphans of the Cold War. Uh, interview with Tony Porritt of Death Spiral Games about Sleeper, Orphans of the Cold War. Thank you for talking to us. Sorry. Um, could you just explain what Sleeper, Orphans of the Cold War is first? Then? Okay. Um, Sleeper is a, a role-play game um, basically designed by a group of friends. Uh, to play, uh, we always wanted to design the game that we've always wanted to play, uh, and the intention was um, we couldn't find anything on the market that would uh, basically uh, answer all our requests and what we wanted out of the game. So we came up with Sleeper Call for the Cold War. Um, it's a game based on um, what could have happened if the Cold War actually existed. So the idea is that you have sleeper agents, uh, your heroes as you play against them. Uh, are being buried uh, in the 50s, 60s in cryostasis tubes uh, and the idea is that they've all been modified and then if the World War 3 happened between uh, USSR and America um, while um, everyone died and there's a nuclear holocaust these sleepers would wake up and kind of rebuild the world in the visage of the country, the origin that made them. So the Russian sleepers would wake up, build communism back in the world again and everyone would be happy in a communism regime. What happened though, like in real life, World War Three didn't happen and all the governments signed a treaty to bury all of this evidence and basically <laughs> pretend it never existed and hands over ears and all that sort of tech. That sort of thing wouldn't happen. That would never <laughs> happen, conspiracy <laughs> theories. Um, so what happened now, it's modern day, 2016, 2017, um, and these sleepers are now slowly waking up. So they managed to escaping out of their cryo tube. You know, they've been hidden in, you know, uh, countries in, uh, around the world. Um, some of them, I'll have uh, villainous schemes, so they want to basically bring back uh, communism. They've been told they've got to kill the English um, uh, Prime Minister, or they've got to assassinate the President, and they're still trying to do their mission because they're still warped, they're still thinking they're in the world uh, of, you know, after nuclear holocaust. However, you play as a sleeper agent, and that sleeper agent has been uh, indoctrined into Obsidian, and that's a basically a friendly group of sleepers. I say friendly in a very loose term, you're still running around with machine guns. Um, <laughs> 
and the idea is that you've pulled together and regardless of what your history was, whether or not you were Russian or English or American or French or German, whatever you were previously, that your collective goal is to basically stop the bad things from happening to basically normal people. Okay. And you do that in secret and you're trying to um, keep a low profile because you don't want people to realise that there are mutations and freaks and people with these superpowers because you don't know how the general public is going to understand it. Yeah. I think what I quite liked is on your leaflet you said it was a game of conspiracy which you've covered yep. quite a bit and horror. Where's the horror? Okay, the so um, a lot of the, uh, the villainous characters that you'll come up against um, so while um, your player characters are very much still look human, um, you will come up against other groups that while um, their objectives wasn't to actually make those people actually more aliens. Um, for example, um, so we have um, henchmen and villains. So henchmen are like kind of like the general grunts that run around and do all the, the, the everyday to day villainry stuff. The, and get shot people. Get shot people and yeah. then the villains. So for example we have a, a character called Mutter. So Mutter is I'd I'd exclaim as something about she's an eight foot tall female. Uh, she is probably uh, I'd say something about forty stone and she swings around her um, an anchor as a, a prime weapon. She belches um, uh, acid uh, breath and uh, she wears fishnet stockings. So you can imagine that kind of uh, imagery, you'll see on a website, you can see a picture of her. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that she is um, like the spiritual mother of um, basically the Nazi party, they're trying to make the fourth okay. right. And what the idea is, she was um, uh, a secretary on the Nazi party, um, um, and obviously equality wasn't the thing in, in like the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, uh, so she was basically given this experimental drug to make her try and to, to, to basically survive the, uh, the Cold War. Um, but obviously she woke up and she's this grotesquely disgusting, like, you know, giant whale woman type of thing. Uh, but she's like the spiritual mother, so people flock to her and other bad guys uh, uh, will obviously um, be freakish things. We've got a guy who's winged, um, that basically his wings have got tattered and holes in so he can't fly. But what he'll do is fly past you and drop grenades or um, try and convince you or, or talon rake your face. Um, We've got another guy who's basically uh, infested with bees and insects. That's so that. yeah. his body will um, basically have postules that will explode and he can infect people and they can't breathe or he gives himself cover so he can't be shot at. Or try and infect like masses of population in Paris and something like that. So there's a very much a horror kind of darkness to the game. Yeah. Um, you can play it four colour if you want to be more light and fluffy and don't have to... For example, that was the um, SS Werewolf. That was the, the, the villainous faction those ones. You can play um, other uh, other factions of um, bad guys. Um, Grey Dust, for example, um, is the UK military. So the UK military, um, in our background, the UK, well, um, Roswell story of um, conspiracy that the aliens, uh, the Americans found a spaceship and it was a satellite. What we've put in our history is that because we're British, we want British bad guys, because everyone loves a good British bad guy. So the UK um, military found the downed spaceship but rather than telling everybody, they just took all the technology off it. And that's where the grey dust um, uh, background comes to your players. Yeah. But like, you know, 20, 30 years later, the UK military still know these things exist. So their, their objective isn't money, isn't world domination. It's basically to kill every sleeper. 
So okay. destroy every bit of um, evidence that ever existed. All the past things the UK did, they want to destroy it all. Yeah. Everything the Germans or the Americans or the French did, they want to destroy it. However, they've got this uh, kind of uh, um, ironicity of proof them, is that they know that to kill these sleepers, they have to have sleeper technology themselves. Yeah, okay. So they're running around with alien technology, but they're now becoming what they despise. So you kind of have like, well, I need to kill a sleeper, so I've got this alien gun, but I'm now... I'm now what I'm now using what I shouldn't be using, and it's like that kind of like a um, okay. moral twister. So there's a kind of like a choices that as a GM you can you can pick a faction and you can the whole campaign could be all about you know how the UK government's trying to hunt you down as obsidian good guys, yeah. or you can have a campaign that you have four or five different factions all doing little things. So every game can be different. You can have an overarching bad guy. You can have lots of little bad guys, and the game's designed that as you play the game through the uh, campaign. You can, if you want, make big bad guys in game one. They'll still be equally as hard and dangerous to starting characters that if you've played it 12 times before, the bad guy's upped his level. Because obviously your technology level's increasing as you're researching and developing, yeah. but in the same vein, SS Werewolf, for example, are also researching in technology. So they okay. may have different weapons to you when you get to like the 15th game. So you may have laser guns, that they may have laser-proof armor. So all of a sudden you're going, oh, brilliant! We just, you know, I have to do do a new search, and you know, it's that kind of that kind of feel to it. What was your big inspiration? Was there anything that you were like, we want it to feel like this? I think, I think we wanted a game where I wanted a game that we there was a reason to be cooperative, working as a team. Yeah. Um, because whereas I hate to say it, Dungeons and Dragons, um, uh, any sort of role-play game, it's like, well, you're a band of adventures, you go away and do this. But why am I doing that? I don't understand why Why would we all be having, you know, why would you have a dwarf and an elf and a barbarian and a priest and a vampire lord and a, you know, you know, cheese maker, I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, why yeah. would they all come together to do this? So the premise of our game was that, well, you're, you already have this, you have a natural starting bond, you all got this past that you, you weren't chosen, you didn't pick this past. Yeah. You know, you may have been forced into experimentation, you may have volunteered, you may have been an accident. Um, so you've all got this common goal, and because you've got this common enemy, there's a reason why well, we're doing this thing for the greater good. Now, we are badasses, we're killing people, and we're jumping through trees, and we're you know, diving through you know, airplanes and all those sort of things. Yes. But you have a reason to be together, and that we didn't find that in many games that we've, we've, we've played in our, our previous roleplay groups. Yeah. So it was that collectiveness of, of working together as a group and it, and it kind of feels like you're a military unit so you would all work together you would there's no reason why you would grenade your mate because you hopefully he won't grenade your next time yeah um, it feels like it's got kind of like a dark superhero feel it is it's with the with the power system every power has been um, designed that we wanted a system that everyone would use their power all the time yeah so a lot of game systems you can either shoot or use your power or do the move and use your power or do something so we wanted a game that you could do everything so you always felt like you were the best, you, you are supposed to be the elite humans, yeah. and this is the way we made of it. Now having the powers, for example, teleportation, uh, regeneration, mind control, all those ones allow you to do something quite cool. But at the end of the day, it's assisting you to get a better shot or do the objective or do it. And at the end of the day, a bullet's gonna still kill you. It doesn't matter how good or military trained you are, yeah. but having these superpowers, you do feel like kind of like a superhero. The idea is that we didn't make it a superhero game, so you haven't got 20 powers. It's not like Mutants and Masterminds where you can pick 30 different things and you can customise it. You pick one power which has three or four choices in that power, so you get like a bundle of powers. And it gives you that feel of 
awesomeness basically. You are you are good. Yeah. What's the, the coolest thing you've done or the most awesome thing you've oh, done or someone in your group has done so, in a so, game? So there was one game where we had a convention a couple of years ago at Games at Games Expo, whereas there was a nuke on a train going to Paris. Okay. So um, for this one we had like a little old stop clock. So I said, right, you've got three hours. And whenever that <laughs> alarm goes, yeah, the nuke goes. And that's the time the train will arrive in Paris. Okay, <laughs> it's designed that if you stop the train, yeah, the nuke will go off and kill all the passengers. So you've got three hours of real time to get your character from the back of the train to the front of the train. And I run that four times, and I only, the nuke only went off once. Okay. And they were and they were like, no, because like, they were like two or three minutes away. Like I, I reckon if they'd done over ten minutes, they would have stopped Paris basically being nuked. But like it, it had that feel of also there's that time pressure. You've got to keep going and. and it's a, you can only do that at convention games. You wouldn't do that every. You wouldn't have the same effect every game. If you've always got a clock. Right? Yeah, but what, you know, once or twice a campaign as yeah, well. It, and it, 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 it adds cool that idea. kind of. It, there's, it gives you. It gives you a threat because obviously your character's on that train as well. So if you pulls up, your character's nuked. There's no no more hit points <laughs> or fate points or. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. you know, sorry guys, your guy's been liquidated. Yeah. He is now irradiated, he will die in three days from radiation poison. So yeah. that, so one group says, well, we've got, I, they basically said, how long does it take for us to get off the train? I said, well, you can all jump off the train, uh, but you're likely to die, you're going on high-speed trains. Okay, yeah. so if we slow the train, can't slow the train, that would, that would set that deadline. Okay, right. So, what point do we jump off a train for the nuclear blast? Obviously, nuclear blast has, a, has a, a quite a wide radius. I say, yeah. well, at 20 minutes of the clock, that's what your point is. You've got no return. You're going to be in the blast and not Ooh, the blast. That's so all of a sudden, a decision, at, yeah. at half, at like 30 minutes towards the end of the session, they're going, do we jump? I'm going, <laughs> that's up to you. I'm not making a decision. But there's, you know, 300 people uh, on this train. You know, there's about 2 million people sitting in that Paris station. What Up to you. And no one jumped. Everyone was like, no, we're going to stay. We're going to let it through. In the end, it's a good venture game. If your character dies, no one really minds anyway. Yeah. But yeah. it was that added tension and that, that conspiracy, that horror, that that real life threat, it wasn't real life, but that threat, yeah. that gave me, it was a very good convention game, it was, it was very fun. And the bad guy was basically in this power suit with rocket launchers, and like people going, oh, what, how do we even beat that guy? And he's like, yeah, it was very good, very yeah. good. That's great, well thank you very much for talking to us. That's great, cheers. Now, I can't add too much to that, no. Because we haven't actually played it yet. No. But meeting them again did renew my enthusiasm for the game. Yeah. I'm interested in it again. Yeah. I quite like their combat systems. It seems more... Co- I know you can tailor things, but it yeah. seems like something if you want to have a combat-heavy, modern, slightly futuristic game. And very t- actually tactical. Yes. Their combat was fun, as I remember. Not for uh, having, I didn't, I wasn't there with you uh, this year, but last year I do remember the combat and I do remember it being fun. I remember we were very good at it and we yes. murdered everybody. We weren't so much this time. We won. We did win. He made it extra hard for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it at the setting compared to the previous time we saw it? The what they've rules? done is they've developed it. Right. Now, so there's there's more to the background. And okay. We chose some of the more advanced characters. Right. Mm. So I had to go at a guy who manipulates probability. Yes. So he can move people out the way of gunfire. Awesome. Uh, he can move himself out the way of gunfire. Yeah. Um, and what's great is what he's saying with these abilities. Yes, they have a thing you do in combat. But that's not the only thing you can do with it. You can use these. Your characters have these powers, and they can use them 
in sort of out of combat time to do stuff. So if okay. you're sitting opposite someone and they go to stab your character, for instance, you go, oh, well, I knew that. I'm, I move out of the way. And you... The most interesting one they, oh, they mentioned to us is one of the characters they've got, she can possess an item to a certain extent. Uh, so she, in combat, possesses a gun so she can use like, a floating sentry gun. Makes sense. Um, so when he was playing a game with some of his friends, uh, one of his characters playing that woman, um, outside of combat... She possessed a uh, ashtray in a room and used it to spy on the people in the room to get some key information out of them before bursting in. So as opposed to your normal character creation, where you've got a, um, you you can make a man that that I I draw a gun, I shoot people, they die. Yeah. But out of combat, uh, I draw a gun, shoot people, they die. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas in this, everything seems to, from what you've been saying, uh, everything has a, a duality to it. So yes. it has an in, 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 and an out. Use. Yeah. We can all kick down doors and shoot people, and they die. But we can also do this. Yeah. Yes. Possess the door, so it kicks itself down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Shoots people, and they die. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like the sound of their the game that they ran that had a timer ticking down. Oh, yeah, on the With a nuclear train. bomb heading into Paris, and when the timer hit zero, the bomb went off. Yeah. Um, um, that sounded really good. I might hassle them and see if we can get a copy of that. Yeah, sounds cool. Because he said, like, with the last 30 minutes, he said to them, one of them asked, like, is there a point where we could jump off the train and be out of the way of the blast by the time it gets there? Because I don't know in case things go wrong. And he went, yeah, the last 30 minutes... And he, he gave him a countdown as it got to the last 30 minutes, but you can't get off now about dying. You're going to have to do something now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he said they had See, the, the opportunity to decide and everyone decided to go yeah, for it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we decide to do another 24 hour type event, yeah. uh, either ourselves or... Oh, we will do a 24 hour <clears throat> Something like that with a timer yeah. would be wonderful. You want to yeah. play 24 yeah. with Super Mutant, with so, Superpowers. Yeah. Yes. Well, that just sounds like the best thing ever. <clears throat> I doesn't need to be superpowers. I'd quite, ha- I'd, I'd happily play a this this portal to the the demon world is opening in twenty four hours. You've got this long to stop it, Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. Something, Something like with that, a timer you know, sounds really, would, really good. Pressure would be really interesting. Yeah, it would. Now that, especially as we get more and more tired. And if we link it up with Sirenscape as well, so slightly more panicky music hits in at each hour. Yeah, yeah. You could set that up quite nicely. Now, <laughs> yeah, that all does sound actually very interesting because the first time we played it, not this year, but the year before last, I enjoyed the combat and then I forgot about everything about two minutes after I walked away yeah there was nothing that grabbed me about the setting however from the interview and what you guys have just added on there um yeah this does actually sound really good yeah yeah and it's nice to have a game that superheroes and such like are a big thing yeah these are sort of like superheroes they have superpowers but it's a bit darker it's a bit grittier it's the Watchmen of... A little bit, yeah. Because yeah. they're all, apart from the one guy, they're all a little bit lower level than most of your typical... They've got yeah, all four. the powers. Yeah, there's yeah. none of that rubbish. So yeah, they, it's a bit lower have... level, it's a bit gritty. Yeah, and you're kind of a bit undercover. Yeah. Um, yeah. I quite liked when they were talking about the British Secret Service, who were just trying to kill everyone and pretend it never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems to be very British. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sounds like us. What? No, that never happened. Shush. Um, <laughs> Iraq War. Have you got a flag? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I might base a campaign around that actually. Yeah, yeah, you might cool. Good for fun. <laughs> so yes. Uh, so thank you very much to Death Spiral Games. Another game that we tried. We tried this very late on at on Sunday. Uh, just Aaron and I played this game. 
while you two were playing Oligarchy, which is on the next table over, yes. that we talked about last week. And we highly recommend that you go and have a listen to that because it's the kind of game that, if you like card games, you need to go and yes. buy, kickstart, yeah. make it happen. Uh, I might get some stretch goals as well because I backed it yesterday. Cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, but another game, uh, another, it's a card game called Escape the Nightmare. Mm. Uh, Aaron, do you want to lead on this? Well, I can remember. Yeah, oh, sure. no, yeah, we've got an interview. Shut up. Um, so, yeah, so here's our interview with Greg Castlaw of 3D Total Games and various other places. Um, talking about his card game, Escape the Nightmare. Interview with Greg from 3D Total for Escape the Nightmare. So thanks, thanks for uh, for talking. No worries. Incredibly artificial because we've been talking anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is Escape the Nightmare then? Let's start. Let's start there. Right. So Escape the Nightmare is a real-time cooperative trading game, which, as far as I can tell, is a genre that contains Escape the Nightmare and no other games. Yes. I'm waiting for the day that someone says, "Oh yeah, someone else already invented this years ago," because that's what normally happens. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's not happened yet. So I'm, I'm quite proud to be somewhere that sort of have developed something genuinely new. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, it's been done, but it's done really badly. So Has no it been one knows. Done? No, oh, right. oh, it might mean... have been, and no one knows about it. So Fair that's enough. just as good as it never being done before. Oh, I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just what's the? Um, how does it play then? Because obviously, if you invented a new genre, people <laughs> are going to look at that and go, "What?" Okay, so the idea is, it's like the reverse of a um, a social deduction game. Instead of trying to lie to everyone, you're desperately trying to tell the truth, and the game is trying to stop you. Okay. So you're trying to trade to get the right hand of nightmares that everyone can escape the nightmare together, and you're all playing cooperatively, so you're trying to trade people the cards that they need, but every time you receive a card in trade, it affects you. So it might say, you can only talk in lies, or you can only talk in rhyme, or you're not allowed to trade with the player on your left, or you have to have your eyes closed and can't read any of your cards. So as you complete trades, it makes it harder to organise the next trades that you need to make in order to win, and it's a sort of competition of whether you can overcome those barriers to communication yeah. and trading to, like, between you get to the state you need to do to escape the nightmare. Yeah, I mean, because I just played a, a demo game. All right, yeah. Um, and it felt, it was fun, but it was very precious. Yeah, yeah so yeah. fun but really precious where we're going from. Yeah, because yeah. there's, there's kind of a, because you, if you had all the time in the world, it doesn't matter what it's making you do, but you don't. No, yeah, so um, on a, I'm guessing, were you introduced to it on easy mode? So you yeah. have 20 seconds. Uh, so 10 yeah, seconds. 10 seconds. Yeah. You're introduced on normal difficulty then. Oh, okay. So you choose a difficulty that suits your group, and that gives you a time, and you have to make a trade every 10 seconds. Someone's got a timer card, and they go, it's coming, run, 10, 9, and you need to trade that card to another player, and that'll just reset the timer. There's no way to stop yeah. the timer. So you've got all these restrictions, you're having to communicate clearly, but you also have a very limited time in which to sort of organise your next trade before you have to make the trade or lose the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's meant to be very precious. So the design goal for this, a lot of people who really like games and are really into hobby gaming hate party games because they're sort of quite shallow and there's not a lot to them and they're, they, they don't give people enough crunch. But I think there's a lot of things about party games that can make for a fantastic game yeah. that go underexploited in sort of like actual games that are aimed at gamers. Yeah. So I was looking to make something that's got a little bit more, that's got that sort of idea that you might have a game in which your, your mates are doing silly things like singing or talking in rhyme or whatever else, but that has teeth and that sort of like, you know, you might lose it and that it gives you sort of like, you know, here's a difficult situation, now deal with it. Yeah. And like you talked about sort of having different tiers of difficulty. Yeah. So how does that sort of work as you... 
Right, so I mean, it's a game with a lot of different levers in terms of how you set it up. The rules are the same, but um, you've got several different types of nightmare and you choose which ones to shuffle together and the rules give you an indication of which ones are harder and which ones are easier. You've got this 10 second timer, but that can be anything between a five second timer and a 30 second timer, depending on how competent your group is and sort of how fast you are at solving problems. You've got a pile of wardens and every, the way you make progress is every time you trade in a set, you defeat a warden, you defeat them all to win. And on a sort of normal or easy game, then you ignore all of the text on the warden. But on a harder game, they apply sort of universal rules that affect everyone. So it might say, nobody's allowed to use nouns for this round until this warden's gone, or sort of some problem like that. Um, I think one of my favourite ones, I like ones that change the nature of the game in some fundamental way. So one of them replaces the 10 second countdown with whoever's got that card has to hold their breath. And if they like breathe in, then everyone immediately loses, um, which it generally gives you more time than a 10 second count. But when a 10 second count comes to the end, someone is desperately flailing a card, yelling three, two, one. Whereas someone holding their breath is about to give up and breathe in is typically almost silent, but flailing their arms and trying to get everyone's attention so that they realize that there's a problem. And I think it's sort of that sort of sidewards twist sort of adds a new dimension when you're ready to play a harder game. Yeah, so it's the kind of thing you could, you think you could play with sort of new gamers or light casual gamers, but then add in more difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. It's also got sort of more forgiving modes where your first mistake won't immediately cause you to lose the game. So it's something that I've had a, a lot of success introducing different types of group to. I find that anyone who is um, anyone who is okay with real-time elements in games has had a fantastic time with it. I've demoed it 30 or 40 times this convention, and literally every time I've done a demo of this game, at least one person in the demo has bought it. Because yeah. it's just one of those games that sets people's soul on fire. I have yeah. had people get to the end of a game and said, I really like that, and I'd like to play again, but can we wait a few minutes for my heart rate to go down? It's yes. like quite a, yeah. a visceral thrill in a way that you don't often see in a tabletop game as opposed to, say, a computer game or something yeah. more uh, immediate. Yeah. And I really like what you've done with sort of theming the cards. I mean, I've got the Delirium cards, so a type of nightmare in front of me. Um, and they involve sort of singing or sort of um, talking in rhyme, so acting deliriously. You've got um, mutations, so physical action. Yeah, they have you, you holding your arms in the wrong way or making animal signs that people have to copy or like not being able to use one of your limbs. Yeah. Um, there were sort of two reasons for that. Firstly, I wanted it to be quite thematic and go, oh, I'm having a nightmare about a thing and something similar to that thing is happening to me. Yeah. But the other element I was trying to get out of that is making the game modular. So if you sit down with a group and someone in the group goes, I hate singing, if the game makes me sing, I'm going to have no fun and I'm not okay with that, you can go, let's not play with Delirium today, we'll put in a different set. And again, it acts as another lever you can use to change the difficulty of the game because you can go, well, I've made the death cards. All of them give you a way to immediately lose that's more likely than any of the other cards in the game. So they make for a much more challenging experience. So again, you can choose what to put in depending on how you want to play. So the, uh, the theming is really dual purpose and is doing two things. So I'm quite pleased with how that's come out. Yeah, excellent. Um, that's really good. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> no worries. I'm glad you enjoyed the game. So what we've done, while you have listened to the interview, we have played a quick round just to demonstrate to Joe and Colin what the game was like. What do you think? Interesting. Different. Yes. It's Mm. not your typical card game. Yeah. Um, I will say straight away, the artwork is stunning. On most of the cards. 90% of it is lovely. Some of it's a little bit of a miss. Yeah, but 90% um, hit rate is pretty good. It is good. It's... And the ones that are nice are very nice. Yes, yes they definitely. are very, very nice. Yeah, hey, Colin can participate. Yeah. Things about <laughs> art. Um, 
I can see this being very popular among some groups. I think certain people are going to absolutely fall in love with it because of what it is, how it works, how interactive, how chaotic it is. Constantly doing things. Yes. Yes. And those reasons that other people will like it are the exact reasons I don't. Yes. I don't like chaos. I like structure. I like rules. I like stuff. Now, this has lots of structure and rules, but it's constantly in flux. It's constantly changing. It's constantly making you feel uncomfortable because you're not doing a set thing at a set time. It doesn't have a plan, and I don't like it. However, thematically, that works brilliantly. Yes, yes, Yes. it does. (laughs) It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do, and it's making you feel... but. No, I don't want to play a game that yeah, sets yeah. off all of my OCD at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I think, as you said, it's one of the most unusual games I've yes. seen. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really glad we, we got a chance to have a go at it. I yeah. bought a copy yeah. because I liked it. I yeah. didn't snaffle a review one. I paid for it. And I knew immediately it was the kind of thing I would play with certain people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And probably not other people. And the people that you will play it with will love it. Yeah. Yes. If if you love that type of thing, you you're gonna stick with it and you will play with it constantly. It, it's um, do you know what? It's the marmite of card games. You either <laughs> love it or you hate it. <laughs> what I like that they've done is they've taken that kind of that silly gestures or talk, saying weird things or singing or whatever. Yeah. You kind of get that in party games, and they yeah. tend to be very silly. Yes. They've put a real dark twist on the party game because it is based on a yes. nightmare. It has a timer ticking down. It's yeah. much more pressured and intense yeah yes it does remind me of almost the kids birthday parties that you used to attend when you were younger however when those happened i went outside and sat by myself because <laughs> i found the whole thing horrible and yeah. uncomfortable and so i'm i'm with joe as it's not for me but that's not a negative review on the game that's just personal preference personal preference yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. what so, do you think aaron because you played I, it with me yeah yeah no, I, re- I, I really enjoyed it i can completely see where the other two are coming from mm. that's perfectly reasonable to be honest yeah because it did set off that when i was sat there playing oh, i'm gonna play as a stranger i'm scared really really scared but yeah thematically it worked really well for me i quite enjoyed it i i like the pressure you get put on you a little bit actually yes. i was asked to i got handed a card that said everything you say next has to be in rhyme I couldn't make a rhyme at all for for the next thirty minute of thirty minutes. Actually, <laughs> after we left the game and walked away, it's like I don't know words link with each other. I'm, I'm stuck. This doesn't work anymore because I'd had that pressure put on me that I couldn't then play the game anymore. But not in a bad way. But it fitted again with how it was playing. And it's the kind of thing that you could get really good at. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the lady who took us through our demo game was very good at it. Yeah, because she played it a bit. So when someone went. Um, save me they can't do anything else until someone says I will save you and she had it all the responses down pat and she was very good I think that's the I could grow to like it I think yeah if I sat there and did what I do with games and memorised all the cards and figured out the mechanics and figured out how it all works because then I have a set of structure and rules in my head and you'll go Aaron is talking in rhyme he has that card that means he must have the card I want that's what yes because that's 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 what I do Yeah. Um, yeah Yeah, that kind of initial uh, chaos makes me go uh, yeah. go away. Yeah. I th- yeah, I'd give it another go. Yeah, like like Colin said, my going uh, no isn't because it's a bad game. No, no. Yeah. there are lots and lots of games we have played that are bad games. Yes, that is a good game. It's just not my cup of tea. It's yeah. Colin yeah. with Dice Masters. It's an awesome game, but it's not something he would go. Yes, I want to put money into this. Yes. yes. 
So, what yeah. I would like to do is do a video or something similar of it yeah. with people that will enjoy it. Yeah. I'd, I'd do that to make a fool of myself, you know. And, yeah, and, fun and, for the internet. Yeah, that's it. It might just be absolute mad chaos. Yeah, I was going to say it's like an adult party game, but that sounds like you're going to get your willies out and run at each other. Well, we're not from the card yet. Yeah, I was going to say that. It, wasn't that a card? I'm pretty sure. No. Was... <laughs> could um, we make a version? No, we could, yeah. It's like when we we've decided we wanted to play code names with Cards Against Humanity cards, and haven't done that yet. Yes, because um, apparently we have to amp everything up. Yes. yes. Mm, to levels other people won't enjoy that's that's escape the nightmares as we said it's quite unique it's quite different and it's quite cheap it's only about 10 or 12 pounds yeah Uh, and it's very very new so if you think that kind of that chaos something really 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 intense yeah fairly extroverted yeah a a table full of extroverts will love this game Mm -hmm. um probably rare that you get a gaming group that's completely made of extroverts no but the sort of actually, do you know the exact sort of people that would love pick things like this? Um, as as a guess, any if if you have a group of people that are into things like poetry or yeah. spoken word or yeah, anything actually. like that, they would go nuts for this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is the drama of card games, almost. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but in, not go in, to a drama school and hand these packs out. They're, they're, they're yeah, new, actually, yeah. normally you'd say that as a negative thing, but <laughs> actually, that that's exactly where this game falls in. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine that was at uni doing English had loads of friends that were in that into that kind of thing, yeah. and I could just see now that they would love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if if you've got the right group, best thing ever. Yeah. Yes, and it's got that dark twist on the party game as yeah, well. Everyone which enjoys. I, I yeah. really like because I you know I like quite like dark things, and it's themed really well with the idea of mm. nightmares, which is nice. Yeah. The villainers. Cool. Uh, last one for this podcast then. And then we'll just do a very quick kind of roundup of anything we may have missed and what we bought and, well, and that kind of stuff. Things we will mention in the future. Yes, yeah. and do a little preview for the future. Uh, we have finally an interview with Gil Hover of Formal Ferret Games talking about his new game, The Networks, which sold out at the Games Expo. Yes. He ran out completely. Uh, so over to the interview. So yeah, I was going to just tell us a little bit about what the Networks is for our, for our listeners. Yeah, so the Networks uh, is a game, it's a strategy game, where you're all TV network executives and you're trying to get the most viewers over the course of five seasons. Uh, every uh, player starts with a little bit of money, three horrible TV shows. <laughs> and as the game goes along, you're getting shows that are slightly better and better. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it, I'm getting a real strong sort of 30 Rock kind of vibe. Yeah, the, it's... Yeah, it's got the game has a bit of sense of humor. The show names are all very silly. Um, the the stuff as you start with are all horrible, like uh, get to know your lower colon or uh, let's pickle, unlocking your cat's psychic potential. But then the shows get slightly better. You know, you work your way all the way up to hits like uh, Doctor What and The Limping Treated and Released. Awesome. Um, okay. What what was your inspiration for the game? Oh, wow, this game has a really weird history. Uh, because I actually started the game... I started working on the game with... Uh, it was it was a totally different game. And this is... A, a long time ago, I realized that a TV theme would actually work a lot better with it. Uh, so the game actually had no theme at one point. Uh, <laughs> or rather, it, its theme was that it had no theme. 
Uh, so it was called MacGuffin Market, and the idea is the players were all getting MacGuffins. Well, that didn't work so well, so I wound up uh, changing it because uh, some playtesters suggested that maybe TV would work. And uh, after uh, about 100 or so playtests, I was able to uh, wrap the TV theme around it, and now it feels extremely thematic, which is really nice. Yeah, um, what, what would you be doing in a typical sort of turn then of the, uh, the uh, game? On your turn you get one action. So you can develop a show, you can sign a star, you can land an ad, and in each of those you're actually just taking a card. And with shows and stars you have to pay money, and when you land an ad you get money uh, based on uh, what the ad is. Uh, there's also network cards that give you special powers in the game. Uh, and. Uh, there's ways that you can attach a star or an ad to a show that you weren't able to before. And the last thing you can do in a turn, in a season I should say, is you can drop out of the season and get money. And the earlier you drop out, the more money you get. Okay. Um, is there sort of different tactics you can use, different ways to play the game? Oh, well, yeah, it really depends on the genre of the show. Because when you get a bunch of shows of the same genre, you wind up... Um, getting um, a bonus. So you get extra viewers and you get stars and ads uh, uh, if you if you do that. So, um, so if you go with sports, for example, you're going to wind up uh, putting a lot of ads on your shows, uh, but you uh, but you might wind up getting a special bonus, like when you get to five viewers, um, you can exchange money for viewers. So there's okay. a sports strategy where you just try to get as much cash as possible and then convert that. I think I have uh, people who might be picking up my game, so I may yeah, have to um, run over. That's great. Um, when are you on, are you on Kickstarter? Is I was on Kickstarter in September. I am uh, handing out to Kickstarter backers now, and I am going to hit retail likely in August. Excellent. We've picked up a copy, so we'll give it a review. Thank yeah, you very much. Thank you so Cheers. much. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you. It's hot so that was quick. Um, the networks, then, yeah. Aaron. Yes. You fell in love with the networks from the moment we saw it at the press preview. Yes. And you were like, "I have to get one of these," and then yeah. we ran over there straight away. And you bought. And it I bought me. it because I got confused. So if you want to yeah. buy it, it's over there. Cool. Thank well you. done, Aaron. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make Brian buy your stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Still get to play it. It's fun by me. What was it that appealed to you about the networks? It was the... I don't want to say silliness, because it's not wholly silly. No. That, that's, that's ridiculous. But the, the art style really appealed to me. It's um, slightly comic-y. Um, there's a lot of puns on the cards and things like that that really swayed me. There's a little in-jokes to different TV shows. Was this the, the reference to Adult Swim that you made? No, was that, that was... Was that a different game? Yeah, that was Arcade Blastica. Oh, yeah, we'll cut that bullshit then. very similar. But, then. but yeah, it does... It does have a very uh, cartoon network, actually. It reminds me of uh, Greg. Yeah, I was going to say it reminds me of the kids' shows on, yeah, on uh, Peppa Pig, Tukowski, just without pigs, but people. Oh, I don't know. The guy who did Dexter's Laboratory, anyway. It reminds yeah, yeah. His, his, yes. uh, this laboratory. Exactly. Yes. And it's, it's that art style went up that appealed to me. And it's also uh, that mechanical systems in games I could sometimes really, really get on with. Yeah, well. I, like, can see... I do this, this builds more of this, and then I could do this and this, and it builds up. I can see you liking it, I can see Joe liking it when we play it. We're going to do a more in-depth review. Yeah. I like how they left my name out. Colin yeah. won't like it. You don't like anything? <laughs> yeah. Yay! It's not a pub, therefore you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> um, how could we get a board game about pubs? It does look quite complex. 
I wouldn't say it was like a heavy, heavy game, but there's yeah. quite a lot going on. I mean, we've we've played some far, 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 far heavy too games. complicated games yeah. in our times. Yeah, um, where you're trying to teach the whole group how to simulate intergalactic war in Twilight Imperium. Do you know what? That <laughs> yeah. was my first thought. It's like, we played Twiglet Imperium, we can handle anything. <laughs> it's Twiglet and Pugnium. Twiglet oh, and Pugnium, know. that's right. I've still not played this. Don't. don't. Did you not? <laughs> no, don't. I wasn't. I'm... You lucky bastard. <laughs> yeah, as we oh. said on the podcast episode, don't even watch that one, it was awful. Um, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> not, not the podcast, just the review of Twiglet and Pugnium. Don't play it. The thing with Twilight Imperium was the first four hours were dull as dishwater. The next four hours did start to climb but then just as it was getting interesting the game finished yeah I don't know if that was just as getting delirious no, as no, we played it though see yeah. this is this is completely Eight tangent hours. but this is what I consider like being boiled alive would be really horrible but after four hours you might start getting used to it that was Twignit and Puglian for yeah. me it was just I'm not any less bored I'm just used to the boredom <laughs> yeah. this is my world Fair now enough. there's a game that gives you Stockholm Syndrome yes yeah, yeah. right um, but yeah, no, the networks, it does look, the rule book does make it look complicated, but I have picked up um, another game at the, the expo that we're going to do a review of uh, soon as well. Yeah, which we'll mention in a second. Yeah, and it doesn't um, look as complicated as that game. No, but after looking through, going, oh, actually, this, 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 yeah, that makes perfect sense. It feels yeah. like it's, it looks like one of those games, once you're playing it, all the systems interconnect and it, yeah. it probably it all clicks. But we'll see when yeah. we play. I mean, we're all... TV fans, yeah, we all have yeah. TV series that we watch, yes. yeah, uh, Game of Thrones, yeah, yeah, um, Doctor Who, Doctor- oh god, uh, the football, I watch that every week, no, it's great. The storylines like happen in between the actual shows, anyone- you have to look on the internet <laughs> to find out what's happening, otherwise, like a character won't be in the football, and you have to like, and then you'll go and be like, oh, he's got no legs now because he was Hang in the Why is the TV show trying to make it do its work for you? Know, why am I having to do the work yeah. for the TV show? At least wrestling does it there and then for. Oh no, yeah. I'm engaged throughout the week. Well, no. has, it, has it not heard of expert? You know, way of, of telling storyline instead of me having to look it up. <laughs> See, I, I, anyway, yeah, um, and it's I quite, balls. I quite like the idea of running a network. I yeah. am a big fan of Thirty Rock. Yeah, um, and it seems to have a similar sense of humour. Yes, it's actually. ridiculous. It's over the top. Uh, you have some very silly shows that you start with. Um, Cooking for your hamster. Um, yeah, cooking for your hamster. That's one of them. I can't see there and heard cooking a hamster. I was like, well. Um, and then the other the other cards are references. So there's a picture of um, a guy in a chemical suit with a chemistry thing behind him called Broken Worse. Ah. Uh, for instance, <laughs> that starts badly, but more and more and more people watch it as it goes along. <laughs> so um, Gilhoven knows his TV he knows what he's doing yeah cool. you can also play this on your own okay. it's a one player game yeah I've, 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 I know a few people actually that are saying that they quite enjoy games that come with a one player option yes um, yeah. Aaron is a big fan of Arkham Horror when it's single player like multiple yeah. player is rubbish but single player it's fine it actually works because you you're never left out of anything. Yeah. I, now I've got a PlayStation. <laughs> Colin could go to the yes, pub. It's the Joe of <laughs> Now the one thing with that game, and I'm sure we'll play it at some point, the biggest reservation I have at present is the puns. We all yeah. like a good pun, you just made the breaking bad reference. It's <laughs> it's a bit like Cards Against Humanity, which we all love. Yeah. But we've played it Speak a little bit now and and now we're 
bored of it because yeah, we've heard it all. Yeah. Is that game has is there? No, it's not based around the puns. It's not, ha-ha, I did a thing, let's all laugh and move on. You've still got a game there. Yeah, yeah. It's right, just got okay. some little jokes in there. And there's quite a lot it's, of cards. There's quite it's a not lot a joke-based game. No, no, leave no. me going, well, that was fun the three times we played it. Now let's never touch it again. Yeah, the layer of humour is there on top. But it was right. what appealed. Um, I'm also a big fan of episodes. Does anyone watch episodes? Yeah. yeah. No. No. Um, it stars Matt LeBlanc as himself. And you have Tamsin Grieg and the man from Green Wing with the horse teeth, Stephen, Stephen Mangan. Yes, who's very good. Um, they play British sitcom writers who go to America and they launch their sitcom oh, over there, yeah. and the network makes it shit. I yeah. saw, with Matt Leblanc. Yes, I saw an advert for that, and then went, I didn't like Friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't like it, this. It has a similar approach to that show. It's kind of mocking, satirising. Um, yep. You can sell out for money and things like that. So there's, it's it, it's quite nice. It looks interesting. And we don't have too many sort of economics-based games. We have no. a few, but... We normally turn them into economic games when we hoard the money. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we pick that up. Um, I think it looks quite interesting. Fun. We'll so, have to do a more in-depth review of that when yeah. we actually play it. Yes. So, that's our sort of round-up. That's all the interviews we did done. Yep. Um... I did a couple of extra ones that you'll be able to find online because uh, I also went with a different hat that I had to put on yeah. and look very serious um, for I was writing for Dirge magazine. So I also interviewed them about the Dark Souls board game that's the most successful kickstarted board game ever of in, course the, it is. in the long and illustrious history of Kickstarter going back <laughs> several months. Um, Colin, Aaron, you did play that with me. Quick thoughts? I I was really impressed with some of the mechanics I actually came across. Yeah. 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 I didn't think they'd be able to transfer that to a board game very well, but it feels like it does. It works well. Yeah, I've I've not played or seen it in the flesh, but I have seen it being played, and I know how the mechanics work and everything, yeah. and I've seen the same fight that you guys did, Yeah, and it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. and that, that is still available to back. Yeah, I didn't play it. I was getting to the point in the day where I was going, if people use words at me, they might as well be talking in Swahili because I don't understand. Um, However, I really enjoyed watching it and I got very nostalgic, actually, which is weird for a game that's not even a year old. But I just kept going, oh, that's a thing that happened in the game. It's got both its swords and is spinning around the room. Oh, yeah, the the, the demo game was the Boreal Dancer from Dark Souls 3. Yep, which if anybody who's played that knows is a complete bitch if you accidentally trigger that fight at a low level. <laughs> and what I was most impressed with was the fact that the moves it was doing, I remembered it doing in the game. Yeah. Partly because I had to fight the thing a million oh. times. Um, and part they really nailed it down. So it was picking people up, it was skewering them, it was attacking in certain patterns that you go, oh my God, that's lifted from the game. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm really excited to have my kickstart a copy of that with all the shiny things turn up there's two apparently there's 200 pounds worth of stuff in the box for 80 quid because of all the expansions that they've added as stretch goals it'll be interesting to see how the game is when it's finished i know they're still refining um they had quite a bit where they were talking to us the estus flasks are going to change and what i did enjoy is they seem to be putting two game modes in one where your characters can respawn when they die and that you can keep coming back. The other one was, once you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. 
when the other three people die, you can then all come back, but everything respawns and essentially it resets. So they've got easy mode and Dark Souls. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, when, let's say, you're playing it with four people, one of you dies, the only way to get you back is to defeat a boss, at which point yeah. you respawn. So cool. you, you sit there going don't be twats and just run into a room because you yeah. will get killed and sit there for 20 minutes going, I can't join in now because yeah. I've been a knobhead. Awesome. But I like the sound of that. I think a hard mode would, would be something we Quite could funny. jump into. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, anything else we'd like to talk about before we go? Because uh, Aaron needs to leave soon. Mm. Um, and I don't want to keep him too long, but we do want to have a sexy podcast. I would like to quickly mention a game that I picked up. Yep. Um, which I don't think any of you played because you were playing Formula D at the time called yep. Ember. Yes. Um, the magical card game, I think is what they call it. Uh, you, know, you use basically a user deck of playing cards to create pairs, three of a kind, runs, etc., um, to summon creatures. Mm. Um, now. Chatting to the guy, look at the art style. It's beautiful as a game. Um, it's not overly detailed or anything, but it's just very, very yeah. nice looking. The yeah. contrast on, with the colours and things is just was, done stunningly. It's it, like really yeah. artistic. It was just a beautiful looking game. Now, the, one of the reasons I got it, ch- chatting to the guy who made it, was that oh, he plays it with his uh, seven-year-old. Um, having a nine-year-old at home, I, I, it's something I plan on playing with her this weekend. Yeah. Um, seeing how she gets on with it, so... That's pretty good. Um, good for learning maths and stuff. And actually, there's a load of abilities in there that would mean that if we played it, we would be sitting there going, oh, bastard, you've done that. And that. Oh, I want that one because of the thing. And, and the way things move together. And there is so much depth to it as well. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I will introduce you guys to it at some point. But if anyone is at any point considering it, I would recommend it. Cool. Excellent. Absolutely. Aaron, what's your pick of the show or... Can I repeat myself again from last week? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Lantern still. Yep. Nothing else has beaten that game, and I'm so pissed off it's still not actually been backed. Yeah, let's let's give. Well, it's it's not. Well, really, it's, it's not, not been, launched. Yeah, yet. not launched. Yet. Colin, what did you think of Lantern? Just um, quickly. I would actually agree with Aaron that it was the pick of the show. Yeah, it was yeah. the most entertaining game. There was a few rough edges here and there that need to be ironed out, but considering it was a game that was originally made in less than forty-eight hours. Yeah. And all of the people hosting, running, creating the game look like they hadn't slept in about two and a half years. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> complaining. So to um, to clarify, is that is Lantern still the pick for all of us as star of the show? I mean, I loved Ember, but Lantern. Yeah. As most people know, I don't even know what went on. I don't even know what I ate yesterday. It's all a bit of a blur. I don't really remember everything from the weekend because there was so much and we didn't sleep much. Yeah. But I still remember that entire game of Lantern. I can probably start quoting what other people were saying during it, yeah. which yeah. that's a good sign for me. Oh, yes. Um, I would just like to say a big thank you to everyone we met who took the time to talk to us, whether we interviewed them or not. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone was very nice, very accommodating. There was so much passion and enthusiasm on show. Um, and it really kind of refreshed my hobby love. Yes. I would also like to say a big thank you to the people who run the UK Games Expo. A, for letting us attend as press, because yeah. that got us into the press preview. It got us a load of free stuff. 
So thank you very much to everyone that gave us free things. We're gonna, we've got loads of reviews. We're gonna do some video reviews as well, so we yeah. can branch out a little bit because um, we want to do these things justice. Yes. Uh, whether they were free or not, we want to do these games justice yeah. uh, when we show you. Um, and yeah, the people running also a lot of it is staffed by volunteers. Mm -hmm. It's not a for-profit, make a load of money kind of thing. Um, it's a it's a labour of love. And everyone there was was so passionate and enthusiastic. I'm really glad to see it blossoming and doing really well. Yeah, yeah. And to, to add to that as well, I, I think I mentioned it last time, but to the people involved with either playing in or setting up the Dice Master tournament, absolutely fantastic. Again, you couldn't ask for a better bunch of people doing this sort of stuff. So, awesome. if all of this carries on, there's no reason it should have ever decreased in size. Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, and what we're gonna do? Ne our next convention is probably gonna be Dragon Meet. Yes, yes. Uh, which will be November time. Yeah, in London, mm -hmm. and we'll get to meet a dragon. Yay! Yay! I still haven't met. Last two years, still haven't met him. No, it's upsetting. Uh, for more dragon-based meeting puns, uh, refer to episode eight. Uh, so yeah, we've got lots and lots of stuff coming up. Our next podcast is going to be Joe talking us through the Dice Masters tournament. Yes. Um, we'll probably discuss a little bit on the concept of organised tournament play as yep. well. Because Aaron's died. <laughs> yeah, I've taken part in three tournaments across three different UK game expos, three different game systems, so there's a, yeah. a fair bit we can go into. And none of the rest of us... What did you say? And this is Bjorn in a bit of dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just that. And now we shall talk about tournament structure. Here is a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> I prepared for earlier. Hang, hang on. You See, don't I want me to bring the PowerPoint presentation. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, my weekend wasted. Um, but we've got some... And your degree. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. The database is still fine. <laughs> And we'll also have some interviews with some of the people who took part, the winners, the organisers, and the lovely Brit Roller Six, yes. who's one of the most excitable people that we met all weekend. They made me sing and then put it on the internet. Yes, yeah. we'll, we'll pop a link to that uh, next week. Oh, so if you want to see Joe looking the happiest I've ever seen him, yeah. gazing up to the sky it, and singing a song. It wasn't happy, I was confused. <laughs> I, I want to see that. <laughs> might edit it in or repeat on the next video. Yeah, yes. we'll just have that. The entire time. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Um, yes, uh, so that's great. So stay tuned for that. If you like what we have done, uh, then please like, subscribe, and most of all, share uh, what we have yes. done. Uh, because we're still fairly new to this, and we want to get out there and attend more things and get more free stuff. I want more friends. Mercenary. Yeah, we want more friends. Friends is good. Uh, but what we found, actually, is that sharing your enthusiasm is a good thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, the fuck it out Colin <laughs> Every Colin time he... sharing his joy <laughs> yes. uh, so Colin, Colin <sighs> make a happy sound Woo. yeah excellent so if you want to be as happy as it Colin it was almost a different tone in there Colin it almost it actually hurt my throat slightly <laughs> excellent um, we will continue our weekly give Colin a job Colin quickly what are the three qualities that will make you an excellent employee to anyone who employs you to make art Oh, what are the three qualities that I need? Or Stop that stalling. That you have. That you that have. I have. Why um, are you good? I like doing things for money. I'm not opposed to doing almost anything for money. And um, You do people good. I, I do words really well. <laughs> Excellent. Didn't mention your artistic skills once. Colin's going to live in a bin. You don't need to. Outside the art. McDonald's, he works out forever. Excellent. So thank you very much. Um, I've been Brian Ennis. 
I've been Aaron Winsky. And I've been Colin Howard. And... Yeah, I know, I I realised I'd try... Yeah, because you're not part of the podcast. We've been the Critical Twits, and we have enjoyed the company of the lovely Joe Lewin. Yes. um, Which we'll have to put up with next week. Define (laughs) enjoy. You know when... like It's like when you sneeze, but lower down. Oh, okay. So thank you very much. Check out the links below, please. Um, if you're interested, check out these games, uh, things that we talked to, yeah. talk, the things that we've talked about, um, and we will hopefully see you next time. Bye. 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 Why do you always fucking wave? You're weird. <laughs>